With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. You are listening to the We Are West Ham podcast and this week's episode is sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and custom framed Declan Rice shirt. Tickets are just £5.95 each and just 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on Football Prize's Facebook page. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Benrahma, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Soufal up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. A very mixed week at West Ham United. The Hammers made it two wins from two in the Europa League on what was a fantastic night at the London Stadium against Rapid Vienna. But in our first ultra disappointing performance and result of the season, we looked like we might have nicked an undeserved point at home to Brentford before Johan Wisser pops up in the 95th minute and slammed home the winner. The Bees did to us exactly what we did to Leeds not so long ago. And it's fair to say that it left most West Ham fans feeling a little bit flat after that Sunday afternoon defeat. However, the West Ham women recorded a phenomenal and somewhat unexpected win at Manchester City of all teams in the WSL. So it wasn't all bad for those with Claret and Blue on Sunday evening. No Reese Bayliss tonight as he's feeling a little bit ropey. So our thoughts, love and prayers, if you're that way inclined, go to Reese. But don't worry, because James Jones is here and you've got an old school We Are West Ham podcast coming your way this week. James Jones, loads to cover tonight, even though there's an international break coming up. So not much to look forward to, but lots to react to and look back on. Um, How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Still a little bit flat after Sunday. Um, Still got a bit of a hangover from that. Not not an alcohol-induced one. Emotional. Yeah, it's... um... 
yeah, it's just difficult to take. But uh, as you said, see Leeds. Um, uh, I mean, Leeds suffered the same feat, and obviously, but it's the second home game in a row that we've we've lost at the death, which is difficult. It's a difficult one to take. So um, in in the league, that is. So yeah, but other than that, I'm fine. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm doing exactly the same as you, I think. It's, it's one of those weird ones, isn't it? Because if you, which we will do tonight, of course, if you stand back and look at it logically, we mentioned the Leeds one then. And if you said, well, we did it at Leeds and then we got it done to us at Brentford, you'd have much rather that had happened than us draw both the games. We're in a better position for having won at Leeds and lost against Brentford. And also the two games we've got to look back on, this week we've got a perfect record in the Europa League after two games haven't conceded a goal five goals scored in a competition that was the pinnacle for most West Ham fans this season one they're looking forward to we've gone two from two we will look at it a bit logically later but I'm with you I think the nature of that defeat the last minute of it all I was when it was one or I don't think we even really deserved a one or if I'm quite honest with you but um yeah when when it was a draw you sort of thought we'll take the lucky escape here and and you walk away from the week thinking beating Rapid Vienna and uh Drew with with Brentford that wouldn't have been too bad um but yeah it's just the nature of it it is hard to uh to shake it off properly but Jonesy as this podcast often does for the pair of us hopefully we can get a lot of it off our chest tonight and, uh, and we'll wrap up the show in about an hour and a half, two hours time, feeling a great deal better about ourselves and about West Ham United. What do you reckon? I'd like to think so. I often find that... Just... <laughs> it doesn't sound... You don't sound that infused or that no, optimistic. I, I often find that, you know, after, after a game like that, I need to have a little moan um and on this podcast and, and then I'll be all right after that. And um, I did... I, uh, I had to moan straight after the game and I took to Twitter. Um, I don't know whether you saw it, but um, yeah. And it was one of those, I woke up the following morning and very, was very close to deleting the tweet. So I was like, <laughs> after about five, five or six beers on a Sunday afternoon, you shouldn't really be on Twitter to be fair <laughs> we'll get into that we'll get into that yeah yeah yeah. well i might have to i might have to pull those up quickly because um yeah i had a bit I'll, we'll go into it in a little bit um later on i had a bit of a little bit of a different experience for uh the brentford game on sunday which did mean that um i wasn't on my phone for quite a few hours after the game and i think by the time i eventually got home um I, so i certainly didn't see any tweets that made me laugh from you because as you well know i'd have been right on to you about those before this podcast as soon as they come up so uh perhaps we'll have a little dig into those later on like i say though mate we've got plenty to look look back on um this week some uh some exciting stuff ultimately with uh with the west ham men's and women's team we've got two wins um two brilliant wins and one disappointing defeat to look back on Josie. so if you're doing the maths on the whole it should be a positive podcast so uh yeah let's see what we can do for everyone listening at home just before we get into it properly as always a little bit of housekeeping for you don't forget you can follow the we are west ham podcast on twitter at we are underscore west ham worth shouting out as well to me and james as he's mentioned it there both got twitter accounts james is at by james jones and i'm at william pew underscore if you fancy following our personal accounts too uh, on Instagram, we're We Are West Ham Pod. Uh, on Facebook, just search for We Are West Ham Podcast. Do exactly the same on YouTube for our YouTube channel where you can find video clips from the show and any interviews that we do 
as well and don't forget you can email us uh which is old school nowadays 2021 emailing people uh thing of the past but lots of people had to refer to it this week when whatsapp facebook and instagram went down uh you can get us on email at wearewestampod at gmail.com if you fancy it, the links to all the ways you can follow us and contact uh me and james and reese on the podcast are in the description to this podcast below so if you don't have to remember them, just scroll down to the description you'll find links to all of our socials and don't forget as well you can buy us a beer and support the podcast if you so wish at buymeacoffee.com slash we are west ham so josie lots to cover uh tonight it's very much a reaction show given that it's the international break i thought it might have been a bit of a short one We've got absolutely loads to cover, so I'm not quite so sure. Brentford reaction first of all, then we'll have a look back at that rapid Vienna game, which is already feeling like a little bit of a distant memory. Uh, we'll do the Betway charity bets. We'll review the ones we had for Brentford. Uh, like I say, no bets for next week's it's internationals. We'll have a little news roundup, Jonesy, I thought we'd do tonight. Uh, certainly one of the things, the PAI capital takeover just fell to bits. It didn't seem to surprise too many people. and We ended up overlooking it on last week's show because we had two games to look back on and two games to cover. Uh, we haven't got an opposition view this week, as I've mentioned, because we're not playing anyone. So in that news roundup, we'll do the Pi Capital takeover. There was, of course, a fan protest um, at the weekend, despite the team's improved form. So we'll have a little bit of a chat about that and anything else we can think of between now and then. No opposition view, like I said. And to discuss that absolutely phenomenal win for the West Ham women away at Manchester City. What a victory that was. Uh, we'll be joined by Catherine Bat from the Daily Mail and uh, texting Catherine this week. I've only found out the hard way that for about a year after seeing her on BP, BBC Sport chatting uh, all things WL the other night, I realised I've been pronouncing her name wrong for a whole year. So we'll get her on. Uh, and she'll no doubt have a go at me about that. And that will be before we say goodbye again for another week. So, Jonesy, no more time to waste, mate. I'm already feeling better than I was. And we've only been recording the podcast for about 10 minutes. So let's have some Brentford reaction. Let's get straight into it next. <laughs> Jonesy, I've managed to get myself nice and upbeat already, just within the first little introductory section. As I said, I already felt better. Um, and you, you've you've brought me back down to ground with a with a bit of a bump, it's, it's fair to say, in the circa 45 seconds that we have uh, sort of between sections just to compose ourselves a bit, make sure everything's okay. Um, what did you say to me as soon as, uh, as soon as I signed off that introduction segment? It was something along the lines of, have you got your mic plugged in, mate? because you sounded a little bit echoing. I'm sure the listeners would have noticed as well. I mean, I noticed because my brand new headphones pick up things like that quite nicely. Um, so, um, so yeah. But you got it plugged in now, mate. You sound far better. Absolutely. I mean, to be fair, mate, we've only been broadcasting on a weekly basis about West Ham together for about three, three and a half years, haven't we? So uh, it's a bit unreasonable to expect me to remember that a microphone is one of the key components after all this time, don't you think? Yeah, but the laptop's got a microphone as well. So oh, right, I'm, right, I'm, I'm yeah. giving you a chance, mate. I'm giving you a chance, but just don't, yeah, let, yeah. don't, make, don't let it happen again. Exactly. We like to keep standards high on the We Are Sam podcast, mate, don't we? So, uh, yeah, I mean, just for anyone wondering at home, we haven't decided to go back and record the introductory section again. We're not that committed to audio quality no. over here, are we? No, definitely. <laughs> I've, got, I've got dinner to eat. <laughs> yeah, things to do. You've got lives to lead, for goodness sake. Um, right, Jonesy, uh, I'm already in a good mood, so let's have it. Brentford reaction. 
uh, 2-1 defeat. The very last minute, um, Brentford went 1-0 up, uh, sort of, you know, reasonably early on. And to be fair, what, you know, that was it was like their third decent chance they had. We started absolutely awfully, uh, really, really sluggish, just did not look up for it at all. Uh, and Brian and Buemo scored on 20 minutes. And to be honest, mate, I was surprised it even took that long. Uh, not a not a pretty game to watch, to be honest, as far as West Ham. Because in my opinion, it's, it's one of those. This was one of those intriguing games. Um, sort of looking at uh, looking at Twitter and talking to to various sort of groups of fans and groups of friends who support West Ham. Very much of a mixed reaction. Um, quite polarised as we often see, but really either oh, we were absolutely terrible according to some people or some people thought we deserved to win the game. Bit of a weird one, uh, like, like I say anyway. Jared Bone got what I thought was an undeserved equaliser with 10 minutes to go, uh, but we could not see the game out and Johan Visser uh, slammed one home on the half volley um, in the 94th minute to send the away end absolutely mental. Uh, Josie, I'll just straight to you first, Sam. I think I suppose we might as well tackle that head on, uh, what I've touched on in the intro. Good or bad? Some people suggesting that West Ham were, were absolutely awful and didn't deserve anything out of the game. Others, some quite vociferous exchanges I've seen on Twitter of fans, you know, backing the team a lot and saying it's nowhere near as negative as some people think. Where do you stand? I think I think we definitely deserve to be 1-0 down at half-time. I thought, if anything, Brentford should have been 2 or 3 up. I thought they were very good. Uh, second half, we were better. Um, I don't think we the, the, the equaliser was, was necessarily undeserved. I thought I thought the way we were pushing, the way we were, you know, we, we controlled the ball a little bit better in the second half. You know, you certainly felt that you know, if, if there's going to be another goal in this game, it's going to be West Ham's and that came. But for me, the the big reason why we lost that game was the fact that David Moyes didn't make any subs. It, oh, blimey. What? No chance. You can't, I mean, well, you're pinning it all on that. I'm not pinning it all on that. But if you look at Brentford, the last, their last two games, their their substitute whistles come off the bench and, and nicked an equaliser. Hmm. Right, in a game, you know. Um, you stick, you make subs, you freshen the team up. I mean, I know Bowen scored, but he's absolutely shattered at the moment. Um, four hours wasn't, you know, hundred percent. He looks like he's got game. bags of energy, though. Don't you? So, he I does. Don't want, sorry, mate. I'll he let, does. Let, let you say, and then I'll pick up some bits because I don't I want think, to keep picking you up on everything. But I think you're talking Suchek, rubbish. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas Suchek had one of his worst games at, at, at the club. I thought another um, one, yeah, uh, another one. Um, you know, but when you've got you're searching for a goal, you're one 0 down at home to Brentford, uh, who in the second half uh, are playing to frustrate. You know, they're time wasting. Mm. You know, they're they're winning everything from the referee. I'll get onto that later. Um, and it was just, yeah, like we needed to make a change. Just to if it's tactically, you know, in terms of personnel, add a little bit more creativity on there, uh, and try and try and do something. Try and win the game or try and get a goal back. Okay, we got the goal back, but after that, it was almost like you know, I think when we scored, he was bringing on Vlasic right. um, and Lanzini, I think, and the goal went in because they were, I'm pretty sure they were standing there waiting to come on. And then so we just expected that sub to happen. And next thing you know, you see him there heading back to the bench and putting the bibs back on. And it's like, well, hang on, okay, we've got the equaliser, perfect, change it now, and let's go for the winner, you know. Mm. Um, and instead, he thought, "Well, actually, no. This is the game plan I'm going to go with for the next ten minutes, and just run run this squad into the ground." 
Um, and that was that was the thing that really frustrated me was that it was almost that we got the equalising. It was like, right, we're just resting our laurels here a little bit and we'll mm. take the point. We'll respect the point at home to Brentford when, you know, fair play in the first half, Brentford were very good. You can see why they're, gonna, they're probably going to have a good season. Hmm. But for the second half, they showed their true colours a little bit. I thought I was quite disappointed in the way they oh, conducted themselves as a club. Um, or, <laughs> I'll give it out. Or, 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 or as players. I, that was wrong for me to say as a club. But as, as players, <laughs> like, like the chairman's there going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, that was wrong for me to say. But from the like, tactically and from the players, they literally just went, right, we're going to sit on this 1 0. For the next 45 minutes, we're going to take every opportunity to waste time. Uh, we're going to be in the refs here. Uh, and the ref, you know, the ref bought that. Um, Do you think it was the players? Oh, sorry, go on, mate. No, I'm just yeah. interrupting. I'll wait. But at the same time, you look back at it and go, okay, we lost 2-1. On the face of it, I don't think anyone could complain the fact that we lost 2-1. Oh. Um, but at the same time, there were things that did and didn't happen during that game which could have prevented us from losing that game um, and could have led to us taking something out of it, I think. And that's the way I feel after it. Um, didn't... Yeah, probably deserved to lose in the face of it, but at the same time, had we have taken a point or gone on, gone on and won it, um, I don't think many people would have would have gone. Oh, West Ham, that West Ham were lucky. Um, I think you know, I don't think many people would have done that because, particularly in the second half, we were much better. Ah, uh, yeah, but uh, as far as clear cut chances go, I mean, I think they they hit the bar, didn't they, before their goal went in? Uh, yeah, I, I, there's lots of I disagree. Oh, brilliant, mate! We haven't had one of these for ages. It just turns out that when West Ham lose. That's where we end up having a go at each other. Um, Jared Bowen, uh, he's looked... I've just been shocked at how much energy and how fit he is recently. He's been a barrel of energy in like three or four games. I think he's playing his, the best football of his West Ham career, by the way, this season, by the way. Absolutely. 100%. Kudos to I think he's playing brilliantly. Um, I was just so surprised that he played. He started at Man United in the League Cup. Uh, I know he gave him the rest, didn't he, for the Rapid Vienna game. And he came off the bench, didn't he, in that one? I'm not wrong there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the two games before, the Man United at home in the league, he was, I've never seen anything like it. He was absolutely phenomenal. It was mm. just like playing a, uh, a, like a video game and someone just holding down the sprint button for 90 minutes. But unlike on a video game where the fatigue creeps in, that didn't happen with Jared Bowen against United. And then again in the League Cup, uh, again, started again. I didn't notice him looking overly tired, to be quite honest with you. Um, I, he missed that big header, didn't he? And, you know, the quality of his finishing, I think, still needs work. That's the next thing I'd like to see him improve on. And I think he's, you know, be there or thereabouts, an all-round player then. Uh, obviously smashes the the, the equaliser in, which is a wonderful finish. So sort of gets himself off the hook. As far as the subs go, I honestly just, I did think it was a little bit odd, but I guess when the game changes like that so late, um, you know, Moisey, obviously those subs were going to be with the idea of chasing a game. So it would have probably been a riskier strategy. So he probably thought, no, I am more defensively sound. We haven't deserved to win this game. So I will just leave it as it is and see out the last 10 minutes, because ultimately the way this game has gone for 80 minutes, we're fortunate to be one all with 10 to go. So I don't want to push my luck too much, i.e. bringing Mark Noble on to take a penalty. Don't want to tempt fate again. I've already, I've already had that um, in recent times. So I, I wasn't overly critical. I just think it's one of the things people have crit criticised Moyes about um, since he, he took over as his game management, isn't it? It's probably the one major concern fans have had. Not that it's a 
huge sackable thing. On the whole, everyone still loves him, but if they had to pick out criticism, it, it's been his hesitance to to make subs. So I wasn't too miffed about it. I think most of it, mate, is that our starting eleven's brilliant and our bench is okay. Vlasic, again, I agree that I'd like to see perhaps seeing him introduced, but I don't feel like it's quite as the, the subs thing is quite as dramatic as, as everyone else. Cause ultimately if we had got away with that, with a one all uh, with the one all draw, which we were, you know, very, very close to, uh, to coming away with all, but for 60 more seconds, I'd have been delighted with a one all. And I, I don't think I or anyone else would have necessarily been, been criticizing uh, on the referees point. Um, <sighs> I, I didn't. I just thought the referee was absolutely abject, like abysmal. The officials have been so good this year. It's been so much more enjoyable watching West Ham and other Premier League games in general. But yeah, Peter Banks, it was absolutely appalling. Did you notice, and your seats are probably a little bit closer than mine this week, but did you notice that the Brentford players were getting onto him a lot? I didn't notice so much of that. I just no, it's him being atrocious, just like rubbish decisions. Like one of those where it, he did seem quite biased towards Brentford, but it wasn't even bias. It was generally just because he was a rubbish ref and making poor decisions. There was a couple of stages where you, you saw, I don't know, like you, you could see that he was being influenced. You know, I don't think it was it was a deliberate ploy from him, obviously, but um, he was being influenced by things that you know things that have been said to him by by players on the pitch. Um, the decision-making... Okay, he gave us, just to even up a little bit, he gave us some very questionable decisions as well. But... Yeah, no, that's what I'm... On the but, whole, it did benefit Brentford. But yeah, we got a couple of... There were, there were some absolutely horrific ones that he gave in favour of Brentford. And you, you're wondering what on earth he's doing. I mean, that was the main thing that I was angry about at the end of the game. The ref. Um, the ref. Hmm. Because it was like, just let the game flow. He was, he was blown up often for, yeah. for very questionable, you know, fouls. Um, I still, I'm still baffled by his decision to, uh, with the, the Zuma yellow in the first half where fair play, the player had skinned Zuma and he was one-on-one. Hmm. Um, Zuma's done so well to get back and, and, and tackle him. Ah, oh. um, right. Yeah. If 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 that's a foul, then why hasn't he been red carded? Why hasn't he been sent off? Well, that that was. I mean, I, I didn't. I'm I'm still scratching my head over it. I didn't. I'm, I did my I, usual. I and we we were like, oh, Zoom has been done there, and and then Have it was you like, seen oh, it back? yeah, and it was like, oh, fair play, he's got himself back there, and you see him given, you see him given as fouls, but if he's given that as a foul, yeah, right, he should go. Then, then he should go. He should be walking. He's, yeah, yeah. First of all, he's seen it as a foul, questionable. Second thing, he's he's not seen it as a red card, even though it's technically last man. He was through on goal. Yeah, if, yeah he's yeah. through on goal. If he doesn't get tackled, then yeah. he scores. Um, so he's a yellow card. So if you only there's no double double, double jeopardy outside the box, hmm. and it was outside the box, yeah, and yeah. like and that just shows how poor he was. And that was a decision that went Brentford's way. Um, went our way, you mean? Um, well, I mean, the fact is that it kind of went oh, both well, ways, well, really. Yeah, that's what I mean. He was double wrong, wasn't he? It was yeah, yeah. I mean, it was double wrong. And that, yeah. that was why everyone everyone was sitting around us just going, what was he doing? Like, okay, <laughs> if you think that's a foul, again, which is questionable, then yeah. there's only one thing to do there, and that's show a red card, and you haven't shown a red card. Obviously, with yeah, delighted, yeah. you haven't. 
And that was probably one of the only times in the game where I was delighted that he was so inept because it was like, like, what are you doing, mate? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And it kind of just followed, followed, um, followed the similar pattern throughout the rest of the game. And it just frustrated me because... I don't know. <laughs> Matt, you know what it was, mate, right? What, what I find with referees, and not so much this season, but as a rule, you tend to find that some referees are really, like, they're strict and the game ends up being quite niggly. But often, if they're consistent, it's kind of like, well, all right, it don't really matter because as long as both teams are playing on the same playing field, you, you might question whether, a, like, oh, you're being overly harsh, which is ruining the spectacle. That's one thing. Just like you've lost the plot here. You're making so many incorrect decisions. Like, mm. it's not like when Man United play where you feel like there's a bit of big team bias going on. It was just like, no, you're just a terrible referee. You cannot see what's yeah. going on here. Yeah. Like, just just wrong. De- exactly what you said there. Like, inconsistency. Zoom is one. I haven't seen it back. It looked to me like he clearly got the ball. Yeah. And then he blew. But again, it was one of those. Was like, uh, right, maybe it wasn't as clear cut. When I see it on telly, he got his leg first or something like that. I haven't seen it on telly, so I still don't know. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, he'll go then. That'll be a red if he's tripped him up. Yeah. Uh, I just thought the whole thing, it was just... And you can always tell, can't you, a football game where like the volume of the... Way! When he finally gave West Ham like a, a throw-in or something <laughs> 25 minutes into the game. And that sort of carried on. And, and you knew you weren't alone. Like The whole stadium were just thinking, this bloke does not know what he's doing. However, I don't really think, to be honest, I know it, it was annoyed and I, you know, I hope I hope he gets, um, yeah, we don't see him take charge of a West Ham game for a while or any Premier League game, to be honest, because that's just going to, it's not been about referees this season, which has been lovely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think ultimately, I just think purely based on the fact that we could have been 3-0 down at half time, no one would have been able to complain with that, would they? That I just still think, even if we'd got a, a one-all, I was thinking, what a smash grab this will be. If I was a Brentford fan and it had been one-all, you'd have been going home, shaking your head, going, how have we not won that game? Um, so I think, as a looking at it pragmatically, I'm not too uh, sort of obviously I'm disappointed, but I, I don't sort of feel like we've been robbed there or um, or anything like that. If you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, just going back to the subs thing, I think, you know, he's done so well at rotating the squad, you know, with Europa mm. League and the League Cup, and he's, he's got that absolutely bang on. Mm. Um, but the same thing has got to apply to your substitutes. I mean, we've got we've still got a relatively thin squad. Okay, we've got three yeah. new faces in. We're still a relatively thin squad for the amount of games that we've got to deal with. Yeah, definitely, mate. And, yeah. and you know, some might say, oh, well, we've got an international break coming up, so, you know, that may have been playing in his mind. It's like, yeah, but eight of those players are, are going to be away on international duty playing two games in five days. Well, that, but that surely isn't that a, a reason so, why they might have thought, well, I can keep them on. Maybe, but then, you know, you'd rather give them a little bit of a rest, you know? And I mean, I, I don't know. I just, I just thought, well, given the fact we've got a thin score, it's well known that he's got to rotate it, you know, a little bit. And he's done that so well at this point, you know, I, yeah. and I don't, yeah, I don't, I'm with I, you. I, just, I know we, I know where you're coming from anyway. I just, I, I just thought there was sort of less, less. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's hard to say, isn't it? Now and and just just on a point you said earlier as well that you know maybe you thought 
the game plan probably didn't need to change after after equalising, which is why he cancelled his subs. Mm. You know, when it went one all, Brentford went for it. They mm. went for it when they hit the bar before the goal. That was after it was one all. Yeah. You know? yeah. in the last five minutes, it was all Brentford, and it should have been all us mm. um, going for the winner at home. Um, so the game plan wasn't working. Okay, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Change it, change it. But if yeah. anything, the moment the goal goes in, you, you definitely want to change it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and that—that's again. That's another thing that just frustrated me. It was like you know, the moment it went one all, there was only one team that really looked like winning it, and that was the team that just conceded. Mm. You know, they should have been on the. They should have been on the ropes. They should have been worried, nervous. So we're going to throw this and, away. Yeah, and yeah. instead, it gave it, it revitalized them, and we were on the ropes. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I, I thought we sort of we, we we sort of come close, didn't we? We were like probing a little bit and looked like we might do something. But um, yeah, I look. I think it's one of those with, with Moyes, isn't it? If he if he didn't do that and it was one all, I'd have been like, yeah, fair enough, happy days, no problem with that. Two weeks off now to have a rest, no drama. But um, yeah, as it was, wasn't to be. But you know, we beat Leeds in that fashion, lost to Brentford, three points instead of the two we'd had if we'd drawn them both. Um, that's just a bit of an emotional roller coaster on Josie. The one thing, couple of bits, just to uh, off the back of that, I um yeah, my sort of experience on the weekend was a little bit different. I took my uh, one of my best mates, his little boy, um, seven years old, to his first ever West Ham game. So it's me and my best mate. I don't normally go with. We used to go out together all the time, but um, fatherly duties have meant he goes a little bit less. Him and his little boy, uh, first game ever, mate. It was it was absolutely brilliant i've never i mean you'll obviously have that coming up with your son in the next few years i'd imagine probably a little bit soon at the moment but yeah the perfect age been excited about it for a while anyway he was really into the euros and stuff and uh, it was his birthday not long ago got him the tickets and honestly i afterwards i genuinely just didn't care the obviously i was disappointed when the goal went in but ultimately just seeing his face seeing him soak it all in um Mm. sort of one that he'll obviously remember um, forever and it just made the whole thing don't know, don't know put in perspectives that I suppose is the right word because it was the very first one and he was like wide-eyed beaming the whole time I've told the story on the podcast before my first ever game uh, ever and at home to all 1997 I think um, crying when West Ham scored their first goal because the noise of the crowd was so loud um, did you do that as well exactly oh, the same, mate. I hated my first experience at West Ham did you, yeah, well, because yeah. we, we, we got to, yeah, as was too old, I cried at the first one, my dad had explained, and then when the second one went in, I think I'd sort of like got on board of it a bit, And but uh, no, nah, he was absolutely buzzing, and it was brilliant that we scored as well, obviously, he, and even at the end, you know, he said, oh, what did you think of that? He said, yeah, yeah, I've loved it, I've had such a good time, I really want to go again, and all that, and then my mate said, oh, yeah, what did you think of the football? He said, well... You know, it's a shame we didn't win, but they tried their best, didn't they? And that was it. I nearly <laughs> like burst burst into tears. I was what's, like, <laughs> what's the point of doing these podcasts when you've got kids like that just going? I know. I don't know at least they tried their best to start. Yeah, with, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Getting and on with his life. And there's us yeah. fully grown men having a moan once a week. <laughs> yeah. Going on Twitter exactly. and raging about a referee. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah. God. He's he's been at uh, he's been in class what year one this morning, just like chatting to his mates about the. Uh, new shirt he got and uh, all the other things like the the, the hot dog at half time being nice and we're like oh, I can't believe it life's over <laughs> we've lost at home to Brentford <laughs> but no that was um that, that was that was a, a delight actually mate so look just quickly mate before we move on from Brentford have been on it for quite a while now uh, I want to just some some quick fire bits at you to to wrap up 
questions. I think we've covered uh, the main stuff there. Just want to note, I did love Moisey. I couldn't see who the player was, but David Moyes getting stuck into that Brentford bloke um, when he tried to kick the ball away or whatever it was on the sidelines was absolutely brilliant to see. Um, Thomas Suchek, he did have an awful game. He's just, I don't know what it is. His confidence obviously looks shot. Um, but it, it, and I said this last week, I think, and it still applies. He's had another bit of a shocker of a game. It's becoming a bit of a pattern now. People mention second sin, second season syndrome. I don't know whether that particularly applies to players as such. Did to Fabian Balbuena, to be fair. Um, but yeah, what do, what do you make of that? I think we've sort of gone over what we make of it. Is it time to drop him and give Alex Crow a chance? I think is more the the question this week, mate. I think something's got to be done. Um... You've got to drop him in the right game now, I think. Um, I don't see we've got Everton away next. I don't, I'm not too sure. I mean, I, I, I'm surprised that Alex Crow hasn't had more minutes to this point. Hmm. Um, so maybe it is what, time mid-game, to you mean? Like, maybe, so, yeah. So I, mean, I, I, I expected Crow to play against Vienna. I, I don't really know why he didn't get any minutes then. Even come no. off the bench. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's probably time to... At least think about making a change, and even Moyes has admitted that he's not been he's not been at his best this season. So um, I'd like to see Crowell being given opportunity, um, but yeah, I, I just don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see him being dropped. Really? Is that because of Moyes' tendency to? Well, he's not a he's not a trigger happy manager anyway, is he? Like you mentioned it there, some of the subs you were expecting, even in the Europa League or whatever. Um, yeah, what what do you put that down to then? Because it, it's becoming like everyone can see it now, can't they? Everyone obviously likes him, but it, it just seems like it's one of those bit like when it happens to a keeper, you just want to take him out of the limelight for a bit before it becomes a major thing. I know we're talking about it, and fans are. It's on the verge of being that like massive elephant in the room confidence crushing thing that and all of a sudden from like hammer of the year six months later West Ham are trying to like think of find finding buyers for him in the summer or whatever it feels like he, now's the time to sort of just take him out before it gets this big thing and reintroduce him maybe another time yeah no I agree um at first a few weeks back I thought it was just him being knackered he's played a lot of football um but mm. then he was pretty much fully rested against Vienna I think he came on for the last 10 minutes or something didn't he so it's it's not that. Um, so maybe it is a confidence thing, um, and it, you I don't think you can leave it. You can't take it that take this into November if he's going to continue like this. We've got a couple of big games later no, on this month. Mate. Yeah, yeah. Um, got to be decisive when it needs. Just got to make a decision. You? Yeah, just mm. he might. I, I don't know. It could be a confidence thing. It could be something completely unrelated to football that's on his mind. I don't know. Like, yeah, what is it? It's weird. Thing, mate. It is yeah, weird that he's that. kind of yeah. He's kind of gone from you know having an incredible season and a really yeah. good Euros to then kind of going really well off the ball and there's, hmm. it just doesn't seem right because he's not a bad player like he's, he's no. a very very good midfielder. It's not like yeah. he's had a lucky season. So um, yeah, I'm sure they'll be having those conversations um, and wondering with him as well and going look, you know, what do you reckon? Yeah, of course. You want a couple of weeks yeah. off or something? You're right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah. Look- no doubt about it, mate. The, the the atmosphere within the squad's obviously brilliant at the moment. And uh, yeah, I'm glad you said that, mate. Worth remembering as, as we try and do on the podcast. They're human beings at the end of the day, aren't they? And they're well-paid yeah. athletes and all that sort of thing. You, you don't know what's going on um, away from the pitch, do you? But yeah, I think just from football-wise only, uh, I think, you know, and what, what might turn out to be a um, obviously a, a 
positive or a negative, whatever, for Suchek, it'd be a good thing for Alex Kroll to get a run out. I think he conducted himself well at Old Trafford uh, on the whole, considering he was dropped in the deep end. Yeah, I'd have no problems at all if um, if we saw him starting starting our next game. You know, Everton away, no more difficult than Old Trafford away, I wouldn't suggest, or uh, Man United away at Old Trafford. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Fabianski for Areola. Again, it's becoming a bit of a... It's like the Vogue thing to say for fans at the moment who just feel like they want to have something like a bit controversial to say, or I've felt that way about people who've been saying it for most of the season. I don't know. I don't know whether that's just seeping into my mind that I'm thinking mm, maybe, and I'm like looking for it every week and I'm a bit more alert to it. Um, does he drop out for Ariola? Ariola played against Vienna, of course. Didn't have loads to do, but, but did what he had to do pretty well. Um, does he drop out? Now, is, is that a change that you'd expect to see or would like to see after the internationals? I think we've been expecting it for a while. The, the general thought was... Well, you know, not what, everyone, <clears throat> mate. Not everyone. My, my general line of thought was, well, if you're bringing in a, player, a goalkeeper of that quality um, to be back up, it, it just, it, none of it makes... Not when you've got Darren Randolph uh, as, a, as a half-decent backup. And we said this a few weeks ago that... You know, there's only one reason Ariola is coming into this football club and needs to be the number one. Um, and so I think many people have been going, okay, well, when's he going to make a change? When's he going to make a change? And he hasn't yet. Um, but I think, but on the basis of the last few, we've kept one clean sheet in the legal season. Um, and we probably shouldn't have kept a clean sheet in that game as about Southampton, David the Post, you know, we were quite fortunate not to concede. So something's not right defensively. Got to look, I mean, Okay, the defense has improved with Zuma in there, but I mean the only other place to look really is in is in goal, and mm. I, I, don't, I don't really recall Fabianski being hundred percent at fault for for any goal so far. Yeah, he sort of it was one of those but again that yeah, go on. He's what 33, 34? Mm. Uh Maybe it's he's lost half a second in his reactions. Um, you haven't, reflexes. yeah. I definitely have, yeah, yeah. Um, He's got rid so, of yeah. your year at school. It's mad. It's, it's mad that you know you say that about thirty-three, thirty-four-year-old. I'm exactly the same age. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, so, I'm talking. I'm talking about image. If he's like, you know, ready to get Proper get my Zimmer frame, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and you're in the prime of your life, aren't you? I know, yeah, I'm a, I'm a spring chicken compared to Fabianski, mate. Yeah, stick me in goal. Um, Put you in goal, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I think I think, mate, it could be that it could be that you know, he's retiring from international football after this week. Um, he's coming to the end of his career. Maybe he has lost half a half a second. Can you call it half a second in reflexes? I don't know what I don't know. Yeah, how I, measure I re- think so. Do, do mate, you, how do you just, measure just reflexes? Quickly, mate. Just quickly, though. By the way, I have to pull you up on it. Thirty-six years old, Lucas. Oh right, so he was about so, four I mean, years above you at school, wasn't he? I mean, he's yeah. <laughs> Blimey, goodness I me! Feel, He'd have been a year really eleven young. when you were a year seven, wouldn't he? Yeah, I feel really young. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> I can definitely have a go at him for being old then. Yeah, he could basically be my dad, and uh, yeah, just one of the, one of the older kids at school for you, couldn't he? Yeah, and he'd have had to been a bit of a young dad, granted, as in eight years old. Like, but like, yeah, I mean, bro, <laughs> yeah. it's not it's not unheard you of. That's not unheard of, is it? Yeah. No, no, don't know what it's like in Poland. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, all right, so this has got a bit, little bit off track here. Um, Fab- Ariola in for Fabianski next game, yes or no? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Uh, Thomas Suchek out for Alex Kroll next game, yes or no? Uh, yes. 
Yes, blimey, fair enough. Um, what a shake-up you're having. Tom Vladimir Sufal as well. Just quick note, I haven't really got time. I've been uh, this first section for ages. Had an awful game. Perhaps his worst in a West Ham shirt, I thought. Carrying Sloppy. injury, though, wasn't he? Yeah, potentially, yeah, yeah. So, we're not having him out for Ryan Fredericks no, no, or Ben no. Johnson no. next. No, no, no. Cool, cool. Uh, glad we got that one sorted. I think, Jonesy, we have pretty much uh, covered everything from that Brentford game there in quite a lot of detail, I'd say. So stay with us because we've got a look back to the Rapid Vienna game next. Yeah, 2-1 last minute home defeat to Brentford on Sunday, Jonesy. But that followed a fantastic 2-0 victory over Rapid Vienna at the London Stadium. Our first ever Europa League group stage game at home in history. And Jonesy, this is what puts it all into perspective for me. And if we're talking logically, if you'd given me a choice and said when we were doing last week's podcast, right, the next two games you've got before the next uh, show, Rapid Vienna at home, Brentford at home, uh, you can win one, lose one. Which would you pick? I'd have I'd have picked exactly how it went. I'd have picked the um, victory against Rapid Vienna and the defeat against Brentford. No doubt about it. Doesn't mean I feel brilliant about the Brentford result, but if that had to be the choice, I'm pleased we got one win. I'm pleased it came in the uh, Europa League. 2 0, no goals conceded in our maiden Europa League group stage campaign. And the light show before the game was absolutely sick. Uh, the light show was good. I missed most of it. Are oh, you joking? <laughs> you didn't unmute your mic in time for everyone to hear how much you just laughed at my joke there. Absolutely <laughs> <laughs> gutted. I've just done it again. I'll put it on a little bit there, but I did. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks, um, yeah. No, the light show was good. Yeah, yeah. I missed most of it. I was still, I was still trying to down my beer. Um, oh, bad mate. And um, at my age, it's harder to down a beer. Uh, yeah, nearly as old as um, Fabianski. Aren't yeah, you? no, it's terrible, isn't it? Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was. You'd rather win that than, as you said, rather than like you take the win against Vienna than than beating Brentford in the league. The way I see it, and I think we said it before, we're on uncharted territory as a football club in in this competition. Mm. So there's absolutely no reason why we shouldn't just put throw everything at it and go for it because we don't know when we're going to be in this position again. Um, and so far, the bookies have got us down as favourites, so we must be quite good. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, it was Leicester, but they're bottling it, aren't they? Yeah, they've bottled it. Uh, so you know, if you look at, I think we are outright favourites to win it at the moment until Barcelona drop into it because they're having a stinker in the Champions League. Hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was. <laughs> they might not even be good enough to come third in their group. Yeah, that's they? true. Yeah, they might finish fourth. They might <laughs> yeah, end up in yeah. the Conference League with Spurs. Bless them, mate. That'll um, be that'll be me though. If we sorry, if we get Barcelona away in the Europa League, and I'm with, I'm with, well, I will go. And that would be me, I think, with West Ham then. It, yeah. I was, I'll have completed it. I don't think yeah. I'll bother after this season if we do that. Yeah. That would be me done. I'll go and, I, I was thinking I might just go and follow England or whatever. I've always wanted to do that a bit more seriously. Um, yeah, I might just quit West Ham then. <laughs> follow international. A bit, uh, more irregular podcasts as well if we do that as well, isn't it? Once every like three months rather than every week. We'll just set up a We Are England podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure there's going to be some... Uh, there'll be a political group or two out there with some questionable morals. I imagine <laughs> they're already called that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, We Are England. Trademark it now, Josie, if it's not already taken. So, Rapid Vienna, mate. Um, 
I, I don't know. I mean, you've got the uh, the running order notes in front of you as well. I'll just have a quick run through and I'll let you do. Uh, you pick what you want to start. Another goal for Declan Rice. And game wasn't as comfortable as we thought, uh, but two goals from, uh, sorry, two wins from two in the Europa League. Haven't conceded yet. Perfect start. Uh, the atmosphere was not as good as I was expecting. I've mentioned how sick the light show was already. The trouble with the crowd, which was obviously sort of semi-newsworthy. And what I've mentioned already, I'd rather be in Vienna than Brentford. You can see, listening at home, how in-depth our notes are ahead of these podcasts. But uh, which one of those talking points do you want to uh, tackle first, Jones? Well, firstly, they're not as comfortable as we all thought. Um, I mean... I don't think anyone. That's really not my knew. own view, by the way. Yeah, that, that yeah. Was sort of. I think two nil, and it? it was pretty. Two nil. Pretty. It could have been more. We hit the post twice, I think. Yeah. Um, definitely. The thing that the thing that surprised me was that you know I listened back to your interview with um, uh, with the other Bundesliga podcast last week. Oh yeah, yeah, Tom. Yeah. Uh, with Tom, and um, when he said that you know if if Vienna avoid a thrashing, it would be a good result for the manager who's under a bit of pressure there. Yeah, and yeah. I, was, I had to start to pause it and just go, hang on, is he talking about West Ham thrashing another team in Europe? Like, <laughs> just, just, like I know we've been good, but you know, this is a team that's okay. They're not they're not going for a, a great spell in their history at the moment, um, but this is a team that's in Europe every single season. Mm. Um, and then you know, this guy's telling us that you know they, they'll do well to avoid a battering against West Ham. Mm. It's first time ever in a competition, so. I don't think many people were until I read until I heard that was really expecting it to be sort of as easy as other people thought it might be. Um, and until I heard they that, they were the I pop thought, four team, weren't they? They like, were, they but generally considered the weakest team in our group. Oh, definitely, yeah. But then you look at it and go, well, they've bit, they've got the experience of playing in 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 Europe regularly, mm. yearly. If it's not yearly, it's it's pretty much you know maybe the odd year out. Um, and I, I, I believe before the a ball was even kicked in this competition that that would work in our any any opposition's favour against us because they've got the experience playing at this level. Um, yeah, we've got experienced international players as an individual, but as a team, mm. we've got experience playing at the competition. But so far, I've been absolutely wrong, and I'm, I'm happy I'm wrong. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, I, I think I think regardless. Uh, at the end of the day, at this at this level, and it is a cliche. I've not I've not said one yet, but um, not every game at this this level is easy. And, oh, um, I, was, I was proper enjoying it until then. Fair yeah. play. Forty five minutes is taking. Yeah. Nearly I've done pretty well. Got to be a record. I've done pretty well. Um, yeah. Can we just limit true. it to one tonight? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I will. It's, but true, it's true, though, isn't it? It's true. And um, yeah, I think we can be happy with two 0 No goals conceded so far. Plus four goal difference. Running away with it. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, I, I, as I do with a lot of these, uh, when I put the, the running orders together for these, I try and put down views that I have seen or heard from others. I don't just write down what I think and then we talk about those. And that is one of those those occasions where lots of people were sort of, oh, I wasn't as comfortable and um, I was fortunate enough uh, that I was over uh, pulling a James Jones hospo uh, for the game. Um you know, and there's a few people I knew over there and we were chatting at half time and a couple was like really negative. Oh, you know, we should have been, should have been more and you know, a bit sketchy in it, only one nil at half time. I was like, What are you talking about? We've hit the post like the, the inside of the post twice. Could easily have been three nil. I haven't really had a sniff. Um I, I think that yeah, I didn't get it. And even at, at the end as well, obviously Said, I'm glad he scored because it made it 
like we did deserve at least a 2 0. Like one nil would have flattered them, if anything. Um I did think what are your thoughts on on the pen? That was obviously down your end of the ground. It was it was slightly like the other end to where I was sitting. Uh I I thought Stonewall as soon as I saw it, I was like, it, Well, yeah, that's a pen. It was right in front of us. Right in front of us, and we all went, That's a Stonewall penalty. Oh and really? It was, it was literally we were on that corner where it happened. Yeah, um, I know, yeah. And I, we we all had the perfect view of it. He was kind of running away from us as he was cutting inside. And um we all just turned around and sort of shrugged our shoulders and went, Yeah, it's a stonewall. Stonewall penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um Have you seen it but, back? But then the moment he was asked to go and see the yeah, uh, yeah. side monitor, I was like, Maybe it isn't. Otherwise, why has he been asked to go and see it? Yeah, they um, only ever go over there to turn over overturn decisions. Yeah. They? Yeah, so um, I have seen it back, and yeah, it was yeah, he's dived, didn't he? So, mm. um, but yeah, for, for, for I did think that I was, I was like, like oh, yeah, for crying out loud, really, like, what <laughs> yeah. a stupid challenge to make, but yeah, yeah, I'm in there at half time going, well, everyone just relax and stop being so negative. It's like <laughs> we're obviously going to win this 5 0, like they're not going to score, are they? What on earth are you talking about? And as soon as he blew the whistle, I was like, oh god, I might have to go now, so I don't have to talk to anyone else and get it from. <laughs> all sides after the game but um yeah nice to obviously see that one overturned it was a dive did he i don't know did he get booked for that i don't think so when the ref goes over and sees that is there not a like that that wasn't like oh he's been clipped the contact wasn't enough for me to give a pen that was a no you've proper dived there is there short You'd imagine, wouldn't you, that not only you overturned the decision, you go, oh, actually, he's dived, so I'm going to book him for that, unless there's some in the VAR rules, maybe. Yeah, maybe. It doesn't really make sense, but you know, maybe it's Peter Banks in disguise. He's not got a clue. <laughs> he was the VAR, probably. Yeah, yeah. It's going, I don't know the rules. I don't know yeah. what happens when don't you get give, tackled when you throw on goal. Don't give the penalties dive, but don't book him either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Just don't do anything. Yeah, don't do yeah. anything at all. Just yeah, shrug your yeah. shoulders like I did on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Nice one, Peter. Absolute legend. Um... Right, so yeah, James, the the crowd trouble. Then, what was your view of that? I mean, there's one of those sort of uh, reading the reports after the game suggested that it was going on before. I think to be fair, the away fans, the press, the media sit down. Uh, their seats are towards the end of the ground. They're kind of halfway line, but they're not really. They are like uh, in between the halfway line and the penalty box towards the away fans. They will have had a better view. Of that, there was suggestion that when the lights went off for the light show, you went out for that, obviously, um, and I was just absolutely buzzing off of the uh, the laser display. Um, that some bottles were exchanged. There was plastic bottles. I saw my favourite picture of the whole evening. I saw was the West Ham fan in full blown like city city boy suit, um, <laughs> like standing on the. Um, like meshing that uh, covers all the seats like giving it large <laughs> and I think someone I saw a good meme tweet that said uh, when you when you're presenting the quarterly accounts at four and then you've got rapid Vienna at home at, at eight or whatever um, yeah I saw the big the big water cooler somehow yeah. that, had, that had got into fans hand and that was being exchanged but obviously the main bit of it I don't want to I'm laughing about it of course but uh, don't want to make too light of it because particularly when the goal went in, it seemed from where I was sitting, like the Vienna fans were, were like rushing toward to try and get at the home fans. I imagine there was some antagonizing going uh, on as it always is. Uh, what was your view and your sort of your view of it? And then your take on it. Well, yeah, we, we spent quite a lot of the game watching them because first of all, I want to say that like, that's the first experience of having like a, a good set of 
proper sort of continental away fans that come along and yeah, um, probably about eight hundred of American. Yeah, do things a little bit differently as an away support. You know, you you got the geezers at the front with no tops on, not watching the game. (laughs) They're they're sort of you know choreographing the the songs and the arm movements. Yeah, a bit of a conductor. Um, you just don't see that. And I said to my mate, I said that's what Palace fans think think they look like when they when they rock up here. Um, <laughs> yeah, with, with their twenty ultras and their one big flag. Um, <laughs> yeah, where'd you get yeah. your black jacket from? Uh, same place as you, mate. Oh yeah, I saw you in Matland, didn't I? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, to be fair, all that trouble aside, I thought it was great. I thought I thought they were they were all right. Um, you knew it was going to kick off. Uh, as soon as you see a couple of things thrown, you thought, well, there's only, there's only one way this is going because it's going to carry on. Mm. You know, those fans aren't going to care. You know, Those 800 fans are probably their 800 ultras. Yeah, if you so travel they're... to London on a Thursday, you're going to be pretty yeah. hardcore, and, aren't you? Yeah. And I said I said this in the summer to a couple of mates, like, whoever we draw, whoever we draw, they're going to want to come to West Ham and start a bit of trouble because of our reputation. <laughs> Um, Sorry, I, I thought you, I thought you were going to bring up the Millwall thing again. No, 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 <laughs> I was no. expecting you to tweet. I hope West Ham never ever draw Rapid Vienna again because that's not what football's about for me. I do not want to see <laughs> bottles being exchanged. No, no, <laughs> no. The no. biggest James Jones pile on on Twitter I've ever seen. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't saying. That. I don't. I, I, I thought they were great. I thought potentially blown out of proportion a little bit across the media. I thought they made they made a lot of it, a lot about it that probably didn't need to be the case. Hmm. Um, I understand that we'll probably be fine. It's a story, isn't it? It's, it's a, a story. story. I right. felt like they, it dominated the, the the story of the night when it kind of didn't really need to. Did you, know, you think all, I didn't? Every report I read, it was West Ham beat Rapid Vienna 2-0 at London Stadium amid crowd trouble. And it was just hmm. like, well, was it really? Just to, I think you know. it's one of those. I don't like. There was something that happened, wasn't there? That's undeniable. Uh, yeah. the stewards were required to pile in and all that. So I don't think it's it's sort of not that you're saying this, but those that have, I don't think it's fair to say oh they're just making it up or they've made something of nothing. So well, no, that, like that never happens anyway, really. But in this instance, there was enough. Like it wasn't levels of that Chelsea home game where there was virtually like running battles in the stadium. Um, or like previous that we've seen sometimes up to park the Millwall game and it was nothing like that was there it was no, a hostile atmosphere and just... again it's one of those mate we don't want to play it down on this podcast do we but I think call it for what it is and be pragmatic it, it was some empty plastic bottles thrown there was some reports that um, people were like weeing in bottles and throwing like urine at each I'm other which again that's, that's I mean yeah. that's ranking it that's yeah sort of more disgusting i imagine if you were down there probably would have felt a bit hostile but i didn't think it was yeah like labeling it as like crowd trouble that marred the occasion i didn't think it was one of those it wasn't like the mill game or the chelsea thing or the burnley at home or whatever it wasn't like that was it it was like oh yeah european evening few missiles exchange which you don't want to see but could have been worse let's put it that way yeah i think you know the behavior from both sets of fans in that corner wasn't acceptable but at the same time, it wasn't as bad as it, everyone had said, and you know we spent quite a lot of time having a, having a giggle about it from where, where we saw. You know, there's, I think there was one Vienna fan; he breached the the line of stewards, mm. um, but, <laughs> but then kind of went, "Okay, what do I do now?" And yeah. he was kind of in between the stewards that were behind him, and then a line of photographers on the side, yeah. and then the, the advertising audience. He was kind of a bit of an, in a bit of no man's land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. he was wandering about, and he just lit up a fag. 
Did he? <laughs> yeah, he was, just, he was. But he didn't get involved in any more of the trouble. He just stood there and had a fag and watched the game for about ten minutes. And I was just like, <laughs> "What a legend!" Yeah, yeah. He's, he's kind of, he's kind of like, get on a pitch, mate. If you, like, you're going to get on a pitch. Yeah, if you're going to do it, mate. Do it. He's gone. He's gone. No, I don't fag and think about it. And then he yeah, changed yeah, his yeah. mind and got back involved. Yeah, <laughs> but that's great. what the funny thing is with all those stewards there. Like a lot of the time, if they weren't there, like they're there, that like people like doing all the gesturing, don't they, across the four lines of police officers or whatever. A lot of the time, if they just moved out of the way, yeah, no one would actually like. But you wouldn't have this big I'd running just, battle, would you? I'd kind of be jumping with their arms up out. Going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Going, uh, yeah. So, no, no. Li- literally, no one's stopping you, mate. If you want to have a punch up, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Just, come on. So, no, mate. Honestly, yeah, you can actually run up and go and punch <laughs> someone if you want to. Well, no, no, no. I'm used to just bobbing around in front of a steward or a policeman. No, mate. Fair <laughs> enough. Happy days. But no, on the whole, mate, I totally agree with you. I thought it was brilliant. They were pretty much 90 minutes, weren't they, from from the first whistle to the last. Um, yeah, bobbing up and down. And it's one of those, if we were like, you know, if they, they'd got an early one, it would have been quite a nice, if we were more comfortable in the game, it would have been quite a nice spectacle at some point, just for entertainment purposes, to see them get a goal as a reward for their long trip. But um, yeah, never mind. <laughs> I won't lose too much oh, well. sleep. <laughs> yeah, I won't lose too much sleep over that one. On the whole then, Josie, while we're on that topic, what do you think of the atmosphere? From the home fans, I was—I wouldn't say I was disappointed, more as more as surprised. Um, I, I just thought it was going to be a little bit more electric and a bit buzzy. I obviously, you know, where I was where I was sitting, um, it, which is obviously isn't my normal seat uh, over the the main stand, isn't notorious for atmosphere. But when I've sat there in the past, you often hear it from the rest of the ground. It's quite cool because it sort of hits you. Um, mm. Obviously, the ground wasn't 100% full, probably about, I think, 50,000 um, there or thereabouts was the official capacity, so still very decent. But, yeah, I, I just thought it was just a little bit quiet, to be honest, considering some of the decent showings we've had in the in the Premier League games. I think I think maybe the fact it wasn't as comfortable as many thought may have played, played a role in that. Um, I mean, I was shocked that it wasn't a sellout. Yeah, um, me too. Yeah, first yeah. Europa League home game ever. Like, surely people want to get get over there and see that. Um, yeah, you think? But yeah, it was. It was. It was a good atmosphere. I mean, but I, I see where you're coming from. It wasn't as electric as as maybe the Leicester game, which I thought was absolutely well, fantastic yeah. earlier this season. Um, but yeah, I understand once a game gets going. But even in the early stages, I just thought it was a little bit. Like again, no criticism at all. I just thought I was just expecting a lot, and it was just. Okay, I think you would have, you would have thought the the epic laser show light show would have got everyone going. Like you, you're, Mate, you're the only exactly. one there getting absolutely buzzed by the light show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was having the time of my life, sort watching Chemical Brothers, but with a football game after. It's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. Yeah, all right, fair enough, mate. Uh, you don't see him as phased about that one. Yeah, another goal for for Declan. All in all, we're top of the league. Uh, Genk at home next, isn't it, Jonesy? Um, which will, yeah, I think. Big game for us, really. If we can, if we can win that, three wins from three, you leave everyone else, um, you know, sort of like struggling, uh, is perhaps the the wrong word. But yeah, ultimately, I mean, we'd, we'll be if we get a win in that one, we'll be in pretty good shape, won't we? Yeah, win that, and um, I think we're. You, I mean, you could safely say that we're. I'm not safely. Oh, hang on, about, hang on, hang on, hang um, on. Careful. You can suggest that we'll be in some kind of European knockout stage. I think because, um, so you'd hope that it'd be the Europa League. Um, but you know, I think it puts us in a huge, huge position. 
Yeah, uh, particularly, well, I mean, if Vienna, particularly if Vienna can get a result against Zagreb, then even better. You're yeah, going in there sort of four points clear with three games left. Um, I'll be surprised, yeah. to be honest, wouldn't you? Oh, Alban as well. Vienna get oh, but... Dinamo Zagreb. Dinamo Zagreb beat Genk, just in case anyone... Um, wasn't aware they beat Genk, yeah, 3 0 away. So, uh, West Ham sit top uh, of Group H at the moment, two wins from two, six points. Dino Azagreb in second after that convincing win um, over Genk. They're on three points. Genk are on three points as well after their uh, opening day victory over Rapid Vienna. Rapid Vienna bottom, two games, two defeats. Uh, yeah, just goal difference separating Dinamo and Genk. So, yeah, I mean, what, what would you say, Jones, if we can get that win over Genk? Obviously puts us on nine. You expect Dinamo um, to, to to get a win against Rapid as well. So you're sort of looking at the midway stage. We're perfect record. It's, it's sort of us and Dynamo for the top spot. Do you think? Yeah, I and mean, it looks like it. It could go down to that final that final group stage at, uh, on the 9th of December to to see who wins the group. If if you know, um, we, all we all need is a point. Mm. Um. But if oh, can God blame me, you're jumping ahead of yourself there, mate. I mean, it, it looks like it could go that way. I mean, going going away to Genk, I don't think will be easy. No. Um, but when you're home games and maybe nick your point away from home, we've already got one away win. Um, then you put you put yourself in a great position. Hmm. Yeah. Well, um, <clears throat> that's what you say. Going away to Genk won't be easy. Dinamo Zagrebi, we beat three 0 found it pretty easy, didn't they? True. Uh, winning three 0 themselves. So yeah, look, we'll we'll see. It's exciting times, mate. Those away games coming in November before the final group stage is in December. Especially as some of the teams are struggling in the Champions League as well. There's uh, it's very mouth watering uh, potential ties in that competition. But look, exciting stuff. Perfect start um, to the Europa League campaign for West Ham and uh, bring on Genk at home. Jonesy, do you know off the top of your head when uh, the Genk home game is in the Europa League? That would have been a almost seamless. I do, actually. 21st of October. Don't worry about it. I'm a total pro at this. It's been three years, isn't it? I definitely haven't lost the touch. Anyway, that's enough. Uh, looking back to West Ham men's football games. We've got the Betway charity bets coming up next. A little news roundup before we speak to Catherine Batt, or as I've now learned, Catherine Batty from the Daily Mail in part six to cover the West Ham women. All of that coming up next. <laughs> Support for the We Are West Ham podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the men's below-the-waist champions of the world. Manscaped offer precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and they just launched their fourth-generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0, all across Europe. Yep, you can join two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, who we've teamed up with to bring you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the promo code WeAreWestHam. That's all one word. We are West Ham at manscaped.com. Imagine shaving with a sleek, well-designed and optimised trimmer that makes shaving time your favourite time, just like watching West Ham is your favourite time of the week. We're lucky enough to be one of the first to try the new 4.0 and it's fair to say we're blown away by its performance. It's a next level product that really will change the way you approach your grooming routine. James, uh, trimmers, shaving, keeping yourself nice and tidy down there. Any funny or embarrassing stories? No, nothing from me. Um, I'm not saying I'm a pro or anything, but nothing from me. But a, a friend of mine has quite an embarrassing story, which I always think about. Always makes me giggle, um, particularly after a few beers when we go out and not out with him. But 
on a Magaluf uh, lads holiday about 10 years ago, he, he thought on his first night he'd um, give himself a little bit of a tidy up. And um, as went you all do. The way, as, yeah, I mean, as you do, yeah. But he, he first time he'd ever done it. So he wasn't, you know, he didn't really know about the aftercare and everything that comes with it and um, spent a good, you know, a good 24, 36 hours in, in agony because of the, the, the Magaluf heat and the, the sweating that comes with it naturally. Um, and it was very uncomfortable for him. So um, he got absolutely no luck, which was, was his, atten- his intention. Um, and so we've laughed about it ever since. <laughs> what about you, mate? Yeah, uh, to be honest, mate, I used to be a regular waxer, believe it or not. Um, just a little uh, professional studio he had near my my work in an old life, this was. And he used to go and get it done in a salon. But it's an expensive way of doing it. It's like 40 quid a go every six weeks or whatever it was. Um, and then so one day I thought, oh, you know, I'll have a go at this at home. It's got to be cheaper. Bought all the strips. And I won't go into details, but it was very, very painful. And the uh, it was not a pretty sight afterwards either. So from then on, switched to trimmers. And it's been shavers all the way for me since then. Clean and tidy. No hassle. Very, very similar um effect so uh yeah to say not deep not details but it was not pretty so uh yeah trimmers all the way to be fair mate i never never had you down as a waxer um <laughs> if i'm honest but yeah i mean you learn something new every day didn't you um manscaped have engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer to combat all those embarrassing stories once and for all by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly comfortable grooming experience their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin safe technology and it also has a very impressive 4000 led spotlight which i can show you right there oh, hey have a look at that shaving in the dark shaving in the dark just in case you need to for whatever reason i mean i wouldn't recommend it for the um, awkward dark spots little dark spots um again if you've got any uh, it comes in <laughs> handy uh, and that can be turned on and off when needed for a more precise shave this thing literally does have everything it even boasts wireless charging uh, additional guard links with sizes one to four and a multi-function on and off switch that can engage travel lock so lads if you need to up your game when it comes to tidying up your trophy cabinet or if you've been shaving down below with the same trimmer you use for your face now's the time to dip into the transfer market and bring in a superstar signing who will upgrade your look and feel instantly West Ham have done just that this summer so now it's your turn so head over to manscaped.com for 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code WEARWESTAM. That's all one word, We are WESTAM. You wouldn't stick a goalkeeper up front if you're a manager, so why choose anything other than the right tools for the job when it comes to your grooming? Trust us, you won't regret it. Last week, James Jones, we had a winner in the Betway Charity Bets. Reese Bayliss doing bits and pieces again. We've pulled in three lots of money from Betway so far this season. So on the whole, pretty good. But there was no winners uh, last week for the Brentford game. I think we were all a little bit too optimistic um, on the West Ham side of things. Reese didn't actually go for a result. He went for both teams to score. Kurt Zuma anytime and Saeed Benrahma. Anytime. I really fancied that Ben Rama thing. I, I thought he was okay. I don't think he was spectacular. Um, I did think he looked up for it right at the beginning. I think the performance of his teammates sort of uh, stalled everything a bit. I went for West Ham to win. Said Ben Rama, a goal or assist, and both teams to score. So, uh, yeah, obviously West Ham not winning there. What did you go for, mate? I had over two and a half. Um, 
Antonio any time and Bowen goal or assist. So finally, mm. Bowen came 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 in for me. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just a shame yeah. that Antonio didn't because that would have been a winner if Antonio had got himself a goal. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what were the odds on that, mate? Uh, I think it was fifteen to two. Uh, mm, been uh, first little been, winner of the season as well. Yeah, it would have been a nice little. It would have been my first win. I'm getting. You keep reminding me about that, mate. If I'm honest. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so yeah. It's, yeah, yeah, fifteen to two. It was. So it'd have been a nice little win. Yeah. Um, not to be. Not to be this week. No, that's all right, mate. Well, I say no, uh, no Betway charity bet selections this week because we've got this, uh, of course, an international, uh, an international break. Um, however, just a reminder that me, James, and Reese are playing for three West Ham linked charities. Betway give us a fifty pound charity stake each for each and every one of West Ham's Premier League games this season. I'm playing for the Bobby Moore Fund. James is playing for the DT38 Dylan Tom Beattie's Foundation. And Reese is playing, pay, playing, excuse me, for Eyeless Fire. Any winnings we get from any of those bets uh, go to those charities that I've just mentioned there. And Betway have agreed to double our winnings at the end of the season, as they did last season, which saw us raise more than £12,500 for those charities, which uh, every time I say it is absolutely phenomenal. So, yeah, hoping to do the same this season. Josie, now I don't want to put you on the spot here. Um I know you're the one who keeps the uh, the scores up to date and all that sort of stuff. Can you tell us uh, how the leaderboards look and how we're shaping up so far this season? Yeah, that's fine. Let me just scroll along and find it. Uh, oh, here it is. Um, so, Will, you're on 225 with a big asterisk next to your, next to your name. Um, 525 for Reese, um, zero for me. So that adds up to £1,500. If you take into account uh, Betway matching at the end of the season, so fifteen hundred quid so far. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad at all. Uh, just trying to hope you carry on talking for a bit more. Then, while my dog loses the plot um, outside the door, but uh, not to be. Uh, that's the Betway charity bets. Don't forget as well that you can, if you like the sound of the bets that me, uh, James, and Reese have each and every week, you can back them for real. If you like, on the Betway website and app, just go to the West Ham game in question and under pre-built bet selections, you'll find the We Are West Ham podcast bets. You'll have my name, James's name and Reese's name against the bet in question. You can back it for real if you so wish. Stay with us because we'll have a bit of a summit different. We've got a little bit of a roundup of some latest news stories, the Pi Capital takeover and the fan protests at the weekend in particular and anything else James Jones fancies chatting to me about. All that coming up, part five, next. So no winners, Jonesy, on the Betway Charity Bets this week, but plenty of time uh, for the rest of the season to pull in some cash in with the right so far. Um, so happy days on that front. Uh, as it's internationals, Jonesy, this week, even though we've covered loads already and I have got loads to cover, um on the show tonight i thought we'd do something a little bit different because i think the last couple of weeks we've had a couple of double headers as far as looking back on two games and looking ahead to two games it hasn't really given us too much time to discuss some of the more peripheral issues around the club uh, so i thought we'd do a little bit of a just very brief news roundup um exchange a couple of opinions on some of the things that have happened off the pitch recently um and see what your uh, thoughts are first of all is the pie capital withdrawal uh, i mean it sort of went on un- certainly went under our radar really it all seemed to 
just sort of fade and die in the end, really, didn't it? Uh, I know you tweeted about it. Um, what's what's sort of your your take on that? Um, yeah, just what's your take on that whole thing? I mean, I, I don't think we've seen the last of them. They did admit at the end of their statement that you know, if, whenever David Gold and David Sullivan decide that the time's right to sell, then they'll be willing to re- reopen discussions and negotiations. So, yeah, um, I did find it weird that. Their excuse was that David Sullivan says that given the success on the pitch, it's the wrong time to sell. Um, surely this is the right time to sell at peak value. <laughs> um, well, um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm quite pleased. It's kind of, I, I just, everyone knows my opinion on it. I didn't think they were right for the football club. The, their PR was, wasn't very good. I didn't think, and they didn't really do enough to convince me or many other fans that they were the right, the right people to take buy the football club and take us forward. I think I think we're all in agreement that yeah, okay, if the club's going to change hands, you can't just change hands for the sake of it changing hands. It's got to go to the right people. Mm. And I was just not convinced that these guys were were the right people to take the football club forward and beyond where it is now. Um, so yeah, but I think it's the last I've heard of them. Definitely. Not. Nah, and I think to be honest, mate, I think at the moment, like we, we've discussed it at length before. Uh, in some of the more grim times um, and it will link us nicely into the thing we're talking about next. But I think ultimately there's obviously been some severe, strong feelings towards David Gold, David Sullivan and Karen Brady uh, at different times in, in our history. But at the moment, the, the, the club is playing well. And at the moment for the first time, and I'll grant anyone that who's listening, but it is for the first time and it has taken longer than it should have done. Um, but they this season and last are the first time we've seen them deliver on their promise of when we left, what would happen when we left Upton Park, the world-class football for a world-class stadium is, um, obviously, a, a a quote that is, is thrown back at, um, Karen Brady in particular it was who said it and, you know, rightfully so. And that, that was the implicit agreement that West Ham were going to be better on the football pitch. Um, than they were at Upton Park when they made the stadium move. Last season and this season are the first time that we are or that we have seen that. So I've got absolutely no problem with people being angry or whatever. I perhaps differ from uh, other fans where I'd never got to the stage where it was like there was no way back for them. I just always said, really, I just want the promise to be delivered on and then haven't been doing it up until then. Um, but it seems to me like, like they are at the moment. So I, I don't, I'm not necessarily as, as like calling for a, a change in hands as much as I was. Um, obviously, you know, if you, if you see uh, negativity or if we go back to averageness again for another, even another one or two seasons isn't good enough anymore. For me to be quite frank so uh yeah but at the moment that's not what's happening and you can only you've got to, you can't just be critical all the time in my opinion for your argument to retain strength you can't just be critical 100 percent of the time because uh, otherwise your argument just looks weak and it's easy to bat down then because people the, the the people who should be defending their actions in this instance or in west ham's instance they're uh, the owners and the board just go oh well there's no wind there's no pleasing you and the yeah uh, uh, you're always going to be moaning and therefore they get away with doing anything then um 
So I feel praise has got to be given credit where it's due. It ultimately, it was their decision to bring back David Moyes, who's looking like the best manager we've had in quite some time. Um, the the level of transparency this summer wasn't quite as bad as it seemed to be shaping up to be. Um, and okay, yeah, we'd have pro- I'd have still liked to have seen a couple more bodies, but David Moyes was coming out saying he's happy with it, whether or not he was doing his bit as part of his job as manager. No one really knows. But ultimately, mate, I just think um, as far as the pie capital bit goes, even if West Ham are in the midst of it being proper terrible as it has been, you know, as far as fan protests go and uh, what we saw a couple of seasons ago where, you know, you had upwards of, I know the people argue about the number between four and 7,000 West Ham fans marching in the street protesting against the board. Even then, that wouldn't have made me necessarily believe that Pi Capital were that much better for the club. Um, so, yeah, and, and I think at the moment, in a weird way, I, I sort of agree with with the board in a weird way. Perhaps now isn't the time to, to, to sell because it finally is going well and they are finally doing what they said they were going to do. And to be quite honest, mate, if we carry on playing well, my anger was only ever bore out of born out of excuse me the fact that we were promised something as fans and we weren't being given it. But last season and this season we are. So if you don't let that assuage your anger, uh, your anger like do you know what I mean? Your anger wouldn't be the same as everyone else's. Some people and I'll link on this in a minute, mate. I've been talking for a very long time now. I'm very aware of that. But there was around 400 people. I think if the number came out of Hammers United said there was 400 people protesting at the weekend. I can only imagine, but that protest comes from anger towards the actual people, which is fine. Fans have got right to do that. And I understand why some people, they've already been pushed over the edge. So there is no way back for them now. I totally understand that some people have got uh, pushed that far. Um, Mine was always just give us what you promised. If you're not going to do that, then sell up, find someone who will do that. Um, but it, it doesn't matter to me really who's sitting in the board while we're in the boardroom while we're playing like this. Um, your thoughts, Jonesy? I, I do agree. Um, I think I think after everything that's happened, particularly over the last five or six years, I, I completely understand people's or, or fans' view that you know it's no way back for them in terms of relationship between fans and board. Um, mm. And I'm of that very view as well. Um, just I don't I don't ever see that bridge ever being built again because of the magnitude of what's actually happened at the football club over the last five or six years. Can I ask you a question, mate, to clarify something on that? Yeah. So when you say that, right? Do, and and I, what are you, when you say you don't see the relationship being rebuilt, do you, do you mean then that you don't see it being rebuilt in as much as that it will never be like it is at Leicester or, but are you willing to shrug your shoulders and not be quite apathetic about it? If we continue to perform like we did last season and this season in the Europa league, and it becomes a bit more of the norm for West Ham to be in the Europa league. Well, I mean, it's never going to be like Leicester. But we're not. No, gonna, I agree with gonna, that. Yeah, we're not going to be wheeling them out in front of before games in front of the fans and sort of giving them a, a round of applause. Um, and let's have it right. Ninety-five percent <laughs> of 
95 percent of the problems that have um that have gone on between fans and owners over the last five or six years in particular not just the last 10 or 11 um are based on stuff that's happened off of the pitch i.e the mm. i.e the stadium move regardless of the lies or, or the not i wouldn't go as far as say lies but you know going are we going to be a top class a world-class club and a world-class stadium and then just not delivering on that for you know mm. and having four relegation battles in a row or things like that that have happened off the pitch which is like regardless of whether you're doing well on the pitch like the, the change of the badge the the stadium move um the the state the stadium was in when we moved um all the problems that came directly after we moved um just things like that that have pushed fans over the edge understandably um, so, you know, we could be Champions League club, we could, you know, be winning tr- tr- titles, but none of that would ever be forgotten by a large percentage of the fan base because a lot of that was linked to the very reason that fans love this football club, i.e. Mm. the identity, the stadium. Mm. Um, and when the club's been incredibly successful, if we do go on and continue this journey that we're currently on, but without that original identity that fans originally fell in love with, whether that's 10 years ago, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it does take a little bit of, a little bit out of it for a lot of people. And that's why I completely mm, understand no, that view. It's the same for me, um, mate. Yeah. I, I it's the do same. It's same for me. Um, so it's not I the same. It. It's definitely not. I'm not saying yeah. it is, but it's the football club we've got, isn't it, at the moment? It's the only one yeah, we've got and, and we'll ever have. Um, exactly. And at the end of the day, we're going to be here a lot longer than Golden Sullivan will be. Um, so, like, so the way I. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, um, I know. I know you're early thirties, mate. You're nearly as old as yeah, Fabianski, but like... yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the way I see it. I mean, what they've done, a lot of the things they've done has been unforgivable. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I'm, you're right in what you say. In that, at the moment, it's all going well on the pitch, and I'm quite happy to kind of acknowledge that and go, okay, things are beginning to happen. Um, Still can't forgive what's happened before, but I'm willing to look forward mm. now. Um, I still mm. want them to sell. I think it's only right, it'd be right for the club for them to sell long term. Um, but at the moment, like I'm with you, like we're doing well on the pitch. Let's focus on what's going on on pitch. Let's just focus mm. on the success we're having. We don't know how long it's going to last. When the, when the next time we're going to be in this position? So I'm quite willing. But that's to- the crux of it, mate. To That's take a step back and go, I'm I'm going to spend all my effort and all my time enjoying the moment mm. that we're in at the moment. And that's all I want to focus on is the the, the wonderful era that, that we're currently experiencing totally, as West Ham fans under David Moyes and the squad that he's got. Like, I don't care about Golden Sullivan and, and what they're doing off the pitch at the moment. I'm focused on the football club, the football team that I support. Um, and then giving me some incredible memories that, you know, over the last 18 months or two years, okay, we've not been able to watch most of it because of COVID, but unforgettable, like literally unforgettable. And, hmm. you know, I'm, I'm focused on that and, until it ends and then maybe I might feel a little bit differently. Yeah, I, mate, I'm totally with you. And, I, and I, I do think having them in charge adds that a bit of additional like anxiety to the whole club because it's, if, I hope it doesn't, but if this what we're seeing at the moment falls off and we're in it's not going to take long is it when we're back to being 14th before fan i think all fans are like that i I agree with you there's an underlying thing of 
no, I'm not happy with how this has gone. And there's like emotional scarring from what's happened the last Mm -hmm. seven years, six years, something like that. Um, There's emotional scarring from that. That doesn't go away. And I totally get that. And it isn't the same for lots and lots of fans who are used to, like me and like you, who are used to watching their football and loved Upton Park. And it meant so much more to them than a, four you know four row banks of seats around a, a grass pitch it meant so much more to me and to tens of thousands of other West Ham fans um and I, I mine is more of a for my own sanity really I just think I got to enjoy it now like you said uh, that doesn't change what's gone before but I just think what the the pro- this is what we've got now so the promise was on the pitch would be better I didn't. If we'd had a choice in that deal, by the way, I probably wouldn't have taken it. If the deal was, I oh, will be better in Europe every season, but we'll move grounds. If we, any of us had had a choice, which none of us did at all, any suggestion to the contrary is complete and utter rubbish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. None of us had a choice, and I wouldn't have taken it. But that's not the same for everyone. That's just my own opinion. I would have taken staying at the place that meant so much to me and all of us. Um. Because especially being a West Ham fan, it's it's about more, isn't it? Than and I'm not saying that like Liverpool fans do. And they go, oh, yeah, see, it means more to us. I don't mean that. Like when they win something, I mean it's about more than winning and the results on the pitch. Being West Ham fans, isn't it? Um, and yeah, I so based on that, uh, what, what what were your thoughts then, Jonesy, um, on what we've just said? But what was your thoughts then on the the protesters? Because it's undeniable. Um, Hammers United, obviously heavily involved in it again. Um, from if you take their figures last time, I believe the the sort of reported figure um, was between seven and nine thousand. I remember living, I lived right by the stadium at the time and in a flat, and I was looking down on it. And my estimates were in the sort of the the, the seven thousand ish mark. Um, I think the club tried to sort of argue that it was around three. I didn't accept that or take that for one second but ultimately in a fairly short space of time you've gone from we'll say 7,000 people marching in the streets uh, demanding the owners left the club to 400 people um, you know waiting or marching and then waiting near the entrance to the owners with a few flags and stuff the I'm not saying the sentiments have changed but the the numbers don't lie do they so what's your thoughts on the on the protests given all we've both just said there and and sort of the, that protest we saw most recently well i think it it shows that we're not alone in in the way that we feel about the football club at the moment i think mm. given you know that protest that last protest happened what a month before covid month before it all finished and that's when we were in a relegation battle um so there was a much larger appetite for change then mm. and i think what's happened between then and now is almost sort of beyond any any West Ham fans comprehension at the time that we would 18 months later be the in the open league group yeah, stage yeah. having finished sixth um, starting the season well and being a completely different football club on the pitch and the appetite for it's just waned a little bit um, hmm. similar to what me and you have just, just said you know yeah okay we still, we still want want to see change eventually, but at the moment we're, we're sitting there just kind of, of, you know, enjoying the football and kind of just and look, we're going to enjoy this. We're going to, we're going to 
don't see any reason to to, to protest at the moment because at the moment things are going well. Is it not then, James, reasonable to suggest, right, whether you're a protester or not, is it not reasonable to suggest that, not that it changes what's gone before as well, I'm careful to say that, but that where we are right now, what we've experienced, are experiencing and did last season, is as a direct result of some positive actions the board that have taken. One being that was very unblessed to to pull a James Jones phrase out of the locker. Let's have it right. But um, J- David Moyes' appointment second time around was not a popular one. Mm-hmm. Every, everyone was blasting the board for that. Me included, you included, lots of fans, and rightfully so, really. And some some people were saying it was good to have him back but ultimately i don't think it was a very appealing prospect for lots of people having david moyes back second time around everyone loves mm-hmm. him now i'm the same um but again it's quite tempting to say let's have it right actually it works quite well doesn't it lots of the time That's what I say. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah yeah but um and i just think on 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 that side of things it was an unpopular decision it may have been one made for financial reasons at the beginning because he wasn't going to command as big of a wage as certainly Manuel Pellegrini so there is that let's not deny that but that decision has led us to where we are now we've just seen the statue of uh, Martin Peters Jeff Hurst and Bobby Moore being erected outside the front uh, when I was there on Thursday these are some of the un- unseen things so I was in the hospitality area and in there were all of Bobby Moore's uh, family. Brian Deere was in there. Uh, lots of the family of, of those those players had a West Ham representative with them the entire evening. Uh, you know, food, food, like they were fed and drinks and stuff before watching the game in nice seats, looked after just little touches like someone going around giving the older ones blankets and stuff so they're warm. Little things, but the statue in itself is a positive move. The stadium is it's certainly better than we found it or the, the, the one we walked into on the first day. I'm not suggesting for a minute it's a brilliant place to watch football or whatever. Um, you know, there, there was money spent. There was some positive... Everyone's quick to criticise about the Sebastian Haller and Philippe Anderson. But ultimately, I've got no problem with either of those transfers at all because initially they spent the money on the manager's request and that's surely what fans have been calling for a board to do for such a long time. They did that. And then they had the wherewithal as well to cut their losses as well. And look how well it's done. No one is mentioning any of those two players' names. They had the, Rather than trying to keep flog a dead horse and trying to get their money's worth, they, they didn't. They, they cut their losses and took the hit and went again this summer. Again, you'd like to see some more bodies. But ultimately, Kurt Zuma looks like he's going to be a phenomenal signing. And if Vlasic, again, he might be a Ben Ra. I got the feeling he'll be a Ben Rama. He's just waiting, needing a bit of time um, to get used to it. He's been given an 80 rating on FIFA, so he can't be that bad. <laughs> um, and, I, you know, I just think it's so... And I understand why. It's been such a toxic atmosphere at West Ham for such a long time that it's... And we felt it before on this platform. We always try and, and give a balanced view of things. Um, but we felt the pressure before, haven't we? Of you feel a little bit oh, of like suggesting anything that's contrary to the like you know GSB out. We hate the board, get rid of them, blah blah blah. Um, I think we've we've sort of said 
always said how we feel about things. But I think recently it's it's hard not to it's hard and not just hard, but just it's in a bit of denial to suggest that where we are at the moment is not at least in part down to some good decisions by the board. I'm not suggesting that that should mean that if you've got it makes anyone's anger like silly. I'm not trying to discredit anyone's feelings at all if anyone's got negative feelings but to to carry that on and hold it within you so that it blinds you from other good things are doing just makes your argument for me easier to kick back against you know what I mean and then if there is ever a time again where there is a time when fans are calling for change again if you don't praise and give credit where it is due the next time when you're giving out criticism it's easy to just turn around and go ah they're just always moaning. Doesn't matter what we do. And if they if they've got that ability to say oh, it doesn't matter what we do and get away with it, then you've sort of you've lost your your like the fans, if you like, have lost their credibility. Do you know what I mean? So I think mm. it's important now, weirdly, almost in preparation for any time further down the line whereby there might be seven thousand people protesting on the streets again. I think it's important now to give credit where it's due because ultimately David Moyes is looking like our best manager for a long, long time. Some of the players we've now got on board are some of the best players we've had for decades, not just like mm. a season or two. Everyone's of the opinion now it's a better situation than it was that last season at Upton Park. Um, yeah, and I just think you've, you've got to say the, the positive things, but keep them contextualised. And I'm, I'm not... And I want to make it clear, I'm not for a second suggesting that any residual anger or disappointment or whatever at what's gone before is in any way undermined or discredited by that. I completely agree with everything you just said. I think, you know, they have made change, positive changes over the last 18 months or two years. Um, so it's easy to say now, and we, we, weren't think, we weren't saying it at the time, but decision to bring David Moyes back into the football club looks, um, it's a very bold move. Hmm. Um, it's inspired, isn't it? <laughs> um, but looking back now, very shrewd move. Um, fair play to them for, for doing that, knowing that the fans are going to be upset with him coming back. Um, it didn't do anything wrong, but it was all, it always felt like an under an, uh, an underwhelming appointment. Yep, lack of ambition, all uh, those sort of lack of ambition. Here. Just another just another bloke to come in and save the club again. Just um, let, make us exist in fourteenth yeah. place. Whoopee! Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you mentioned the stadium. There, you know, I've, I've seen, I saw an article a few months ago. There are going to be more changes to to the stadium already planned in, plan, plan permission granted, whereby the seats down the side are going to be squared off as well. So that will improve mm. the experience. So those changes are happening. They've already squared off behind the goal. Um, yeah. And the statue is, is is what the fans wanted from when we moved in. Was, you know, Let's make it feel like more at home outside the stadium just uh, as well as inside it. So... Then you've got Martin the squad. Peter's ashes are in there now. I mean, that exactly. alone. I mean, it's, Martin yeah. Peter's ashes been put in the foundations. I mean, you know, I, I, again, Martin Peter's family wouldn't have agreed to that. That They obviously like were really behind it because that's not the sort of thing. A, a statue just, and they were involved in the design and all that sort of thing. Yeah. I'm not just wheeling out club PR. These are, but I say, you've, these are things that you should take into consideration as well. Otherwise, the argument just comes a bit one way and yeah. lose yeah. credibility a bit. I think I think all of it. I mean, there's there's barely been something that's gone outrageously wrong over the last eighteen months to two years. 
Um, ah, exactly. Nothing that really stands out and goes, oh, what another, what another, yeah, blunder from the board that was. You know, what yeah. have they done? You know, barring taking a hit on Anderson and Haller. That's not, you know, mate. That's football, isn't it, man? The, that's you, football. You get that. It just happens. Yeah. It just, it just so happens that those sort of transfers happen to West Ham more, more so, or it feels like that anyway. Perhaps, um, mate. But you look at think, Man United's, Tottenham's, I, Arsenal's. Like, I think, you know, I think with the Haller one as well, the frustration mostly was the fact that we're still struggling to buy an actual proper striker that can score goals. I mean, yeah. it's been decades yeah. since we last had one, and we're relying on a on a guy that was initially signed as a winger to to score the goals. <laughs> right back, a, yeah, yeah, and, and right back, you know, and he's doing a great job. Um, so that's where frustration Hallard lost you know what a waste of money that was but um all in I think that's that's shown in the if going back to the protest that's shown in the numbers for the protest at the weekend I think fans have just gone to, okay the appetite's just not there at the moment for it we don't mm. we don't need to push for change at the moment because things are things are going so well as you've already said yeah, yeah. it doesn't change what's happened doesn't change the anger that we've that, that's come prior it just means that at the moment we're we're relatively content with the direction in which the football club's going both on and off the pitch. And mm. yeah, okay, we can still push for change. We can still want change. But I just don't think now is the right time to really drive, sort of push for those, for those decisions to be made. Mm. Um, let's focus on what's going right rather than what's gone wrong in the past. Like we can, we can do that another time. Let's enjoy the moment. Yeah. That's the way I see it. And I think going by the numbers at the weekend in the protest, it's probably the view of a lot more, a lot of, the majority of fans as well at the moment. And look, James, one thing I think it's worth noting as well is I, I spoke to someone not too long ago, um, sort of worked very closely uh, with the board at West Ham, board members at West Ham, knows them on a, a personal basis. And I was talking then, and one question that sort of I've wondered for a long, long time. And I said, you know, all the, the protests and all the, the anger and whether it's Twitter or whatever, does it affect them, right? Does it actually affect them? And the answer was a resounding yes. And I think what we're seeing at the moment shows and what we saw by the numbers of the pro- that protest at the weekend, 400 as opposed to 7,000, um, what it shows is that a lot of West Ham fans are reasonable people. That's not to say those that protested are unreasonable, but it's... To, it proves at the moment that West Ham fans, the, ma- the vast majority, can be assuaged when it's good on the pitch. If you just deliver on what you said you would, which you are now finally, I think a lot of people are generally feeling pretty positive. There are improvements to the stadium that can still be done, sure. But if, as we're seeing, the improvements, that, that things are at least... The club are at least trying. That's, I think, all what people have really want. They want to feel like the club's trying. And I think they're willing to forgive. It proves at the moment that West Ham fans, the majority, are a reasonable bunch. And if it just looks like no one's really talking about the Haller and Anderson thing anymore, because it doesn't matter, because at least you tried. And you cut your losses and try again. And if Zuma doesn't work out, but it looks like he's going to. You have to roll the dice for some of these things to work out. They're, They're not all going to. But I think... If you don't want any protests or like mass protests, again, like 7,000 that are making like national news headlines. If you don't want that again, just continue to do what what you're doing at the moment. Those incremental improvements. And at the moment, we've got a manager, finally, that West Ham fans we can all be proud of, a group of players that we can all be proud of. And we're working towards a stadium that, 
you know, eventually we may be able to be proud of. I think that's always going to be a sticking point and that will always be Gold Sullivan and Brady's legacy, no matter what happens, unless we win the Champions League in the Premier League. They'll still be the owners who won the Champions League with West Ham and move them ground from away from their spiritual home. Like that, that will always be the case. Yep. Um, but I think shows the protest numbers show the feeling around um, the great club at the moment shows that West Ham fans are a reasonable bunch. And if you just continue to at least try to be given them what you said you'd give them, then most of us will, will happily take it and enjoy the ride. Uh, Jay-Z, blimey, that was supposed to be a brief section. We obviously missed out on uh, and all that coverage. Uh, a little bit more it in the little news the passion, up there, wasn't it? it? That's it, mate. That's it. Uh, Right. So we've done Pi Capital fan protests, a statue we've mentioned already. And if it wasn't clear, Martin Peters' ashes have been interred into the foundations of that statue uh, at London Stadium. So uh, definitely worth going around to have a look at. Pay your respects um, if you can as well. It's a really nice touch, I think. And we'll only go uh, towards making that London Stadium feel like home for uh, a long while to come. Uh, Vladimir Soufal as well, Jonesy, um, has reportedly signed a new three-year contract. Our friend of the podcast, Rashane Thomas, uh, broke it as an exclusive. I believe Kufal's agent said something, but the club are yet to confirm, are they? Well, uh, it all came out on Sunday morning, I believe. Um, I think it was kind of, it was in, been in the pipeline for months because it all came out earlier in the summer that it he turned down a deal or his, his representatives turned down a, a deal that wasn't quite up to matching his efforts on the pitch last season. But um, yeah, apparently on Sunday, it was also a year to the day since he signed for the club. The club tweeted about that and then it came out that he'd signed this deal, but the club still haven't officially announced it. Not like at the time of recording, I'm pretty sure they haven't. So, um, but if Roshane says it, I trust him. Hey, exactly, mate. If Roshane says it, then it's so, definitely true. It's, it's definitely a done deal. Yeah, exactly. Definitely believe him. And uh, Declan Rice uh, being called up for England as well, and perhaps the least surprising thing ever to happen. And how wonderful is that as well, that we've got a uh, an England starter just guaranteed to be picked week in, week out, like should have happened to Mark Noble. Josie, I think I'll sign this section off. We've got Catherine Bat. Uh, Catherine Batty, excuse me, coming up from the Daily Mail next for the West Ham women's section. You'll realise uh, we'll get into that with her about the uh, the name shame game thing that's been going on for the last year or so. We've got that coming up next. Great win against Man City. I just want to end this section, Jonesy, uh, by reading you a little bit of a, a, a passage that I, I heard this week. Really sort of touching words. Uh, you can let me know if um, if you know who said them. Fair play to Brentford. Cheeky little smash and grab. David Moyes must take some blame for not making any subs. And I'd be very, very surprised if Peter Banks takes charge of another top flight game this side of Christmas. Inept is putting it kindly. Tweet one of a thread that was. Uh, Genuinely can't remember the last time I saw such a poor performance from a referee. He was outrageously bad. Unacceptable at this level. Hashtag W-H-U-B-R-E. Human, human make mistakes, which is fact. (laughs) But when you're making mistakes consistently over a 90-minute period, questions must be asked. Peter Banks was out of his depth today, just so, so bad. Hashtag W-H-U-B-R-E. But Moyers, despite all the credit he has in the bank, must take a lot of blame for that. Needed to make changes. He didn't, and it cost us. Hashtag W-H-U-B-R-E. Powerful words. I don't know if you saw those coming over the weekend from... uh, a man who's 
um, you know, holds a lot of sway in the, the West Ham supporting community. I do recognise those those words, actually, yeah. Um, can't believe you called me out on missing the S and human. Um, <laughs> I, I'd had six pints, mate. I think I've, I thought you did alarmingly well, yeah, yeah. Very well written for someone that's had six pints and is livid with the fact these teams lost in the 95th minute. Yeah, um, four, four, a four-tweet thread that was, mate, and only oh, one yeah. typo. Well played. I, I could have gone on forever. I, could have, I, was, I was that angry. It's in the mm. in the pub garden of the um, um, I can't remember what pub I was in. That's how many beers I had. Um, <laughs> just swaying and going. I've got work in the morning. I've got to have a go about Peter Banks on Twitter. I've got it all going yeah, on. Yeah. I can't um, spell humans. I can't spell humans. <laughs> what is my life? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, Me- I'm meanwhile, seven-year-old going. Well, they tried their best. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I need to cut. I need to. Go, I need to go with you more. I think. Calm me down. Yeah, I think so, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, look. Um, I'll be honest, mate. I didn't. I. I don't think it was delete worthy. Anyway, I think all very reasonable. I had regret and shame in the morning. I was like, yeah. oh, do I delete them? Nah. I mean, it's, it didn't it's exactly go viral, there. did it? But well, no. I thought, is it the fact that it didn't go viral, kind of just evidence that it wasn't a very good take, or was I harsh? Should I try and get hold of Pete, Pete Banks and apologise for mm. having a right go at him? I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I battled with some be demons on one. Sunday. Monday. Um, yeah, no, yeah. of course. Yeah. Mate, we've all had the psychological hangovers. I think they're par for the course as you get older in now. I bet Lucas Fabianski gets him all the time at his age. <laughs> Look, I think that was a lovely way to round up the uh, the news section there. Um, quite enjoyed that, Jonesy. You haven't really had a chance to chat about that stuff in amongst all the games we've had to cover recently. So, uh, yeah, good to get those off our chest. Stay with us. West Ham women, fantastic win at Manchester City. And we've got Catherine Betty from the Daily Mail next. Little news roundup there, Jonesy. Just something a little bit different. And something else different uh, is the West Ham women. They've not only have they won, they've won away at Manchester City. 2-0. What a result that is. I'm delighted to say that joining us again is friend of the podcast, uh, Catherine Bat from the Daily Mail. However, this week, after watching her star on BBC Sport on the TV, bigger and better things than the We Are West Ham podcast, because she's such a star. The pronouncer, the presenter, excuse me, uh, said, oh, I'd like to welcome Catherine Batty from the Daily Mail. And I'm sitting there looking all confused, thinking, well, that's embarrassing. Someone on the BBC Sport TV programme has got her name wrong. Uh, texted you, Catherine, and you decided after about a year at least of coming on this podcast uh, to only tell me then that actually I've been the one saying your name wrong for a whole year. Yeah, apologies about that. As I as I was saying to you um, before I came on, if if I corrected pe- people, then I'd, I'd just be doing that all my life. So I kind of answer to anything, anything goes. I'm just sort of like, yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> and it got to a point where I think the first time you did it, I didn't realise. And then the second, I was like, oh, I can't say anything now. So that's fine. <laughs> it's too late <laughs> into it. I mean, Jonesy, you're, you're saying it's pretty straight down the line, isn't it? No one ever gets James or Jones wrong, do they? But um Pure, it's not the easiest one that I often get people calling me pug or puck, especially people on the phone. Um, so, yeah, I don't suppose you ever have these problems, do you? Uh, not with my surname, because it's one of the most common names in the world. But with James, you'd be surprised how many people just assume that I like to be called Jamie. That really, really what? annoys me. That's not even a thing. No, don't like it. Don't like it. No, but I, I mean, will, it's I not even correct. a... No, will... that's not even a nickname for it. Like, Yeah, I know. 
I know it'd be like I'd be in an email conversation with someone and I'll reply, you know, thanks, James. And they'll come back, oh, hi, Jamie. Thanks for your reply. It's like, I didn't sign Who's off with Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> so don't call me Jamie. Yeah. Um, yeah. And yeah, so other than that, I mean, no one really turns out and goes, oh, is your name James John is or something like that. So <laughs> that doesn't really happen. Doesn't really happen. <laughs> no, there we go. Well, look, I'm, I'm hoping mine's a little bit excusable. So very sorry, Catherine. Assuming Catherine is your name as well, and I'm getting that wrong <laughs> for the past 12 months. But look, it's brilliant to have you back. Anyway, and I promise I'll get your surname pronunciation right from now on. But what a time to have you back joining us. Manchester City away. What a phenomenal victory. On the podcast last week, we were understandably, um, what's the word? We were understandably sort of hesitant and perhaps a little bit precarious and a little bit worried and almost going, you know what? Just get this one out of the way, shall we? Try and keep it respectable and move on. But far from it, a phenomenal 2-0 win uh, away to Manchester City. Dagny Brynjastodotir, I've tried that pronunciation a few times now, I'm getting slightly better. And Yui Hasegawa uh, with the goals in the 2-0 win. I mean, wow, Catherine, where did that come from? What are your thoughts? Just immediate reactions to that when you saw it. You texted me straight away, you were obviously impressed. But um, yeah, what are your thoughts now? Well, I think um, obviously getting that 4-0 victory over Leicester the week before um, meant they went into the game with a lot of confidence. And it was a great time to play Manchester City because they very underconfident, um, fresh 5-0 by Arsenal the week before. Um, a lot of injuries and just really kind of struggling and, and not really the Manchester City that we're used to. Uh, so it was a good time to play them. And I, I just wonder whether this came into West Ham's thinking because last season... Uh, when Oli Harder just came in. It would have been his first game, would have been Manchester City, but it got cancelled because a number of the City players went abroad during the Christmas break and came back with COVID and then it got cancelled. And, and obviously it would have been a good time to play Manchester City then, but the game got postponed, which was obviously not, not the fault of West Ham. And I just wondered whether that was in the back of their minds going, you know, we could maybe got something in that game had it, been, had it gone ahead at the time it was supposed to. And again, now this was a good time to play them. Uh, maybe gave them a little bit more extra motivation as well. And, and to be fair, you know, I think Oli Harder has, has obviously improved the team a lot. They did very well to uh, withstand the pressure that Manchester City put on them after after they went 1-0 ahead and then obviously went and got the second goal to kill off the game, which is very impressive. And um, when you look at sort of West Ham's record against Manchester City before that game, it, it really wasn't very good. So huge win and um, yeah, full credit to the team. Before James jumps in, Catherine, now whenever I hear those things, it's a good time to play Manchester City. I always think, I'm going to be honest, I think, well, that's someone saying that, and I've probably been guilty of it in the past, that's someone saying that for an alternative thing than saying, yeah, West Ham are going to get thrashed. It's sort of looking for a positive. So I always think, oh, I don't think there's a lot in that. But I'm, a lot of the criticism from some of the West Ham women fans who, who we interact with, who follow us on Twitter uh, and vice versa, a lot of the reaction to it afterwards it was a little bit annoying I think Kate Longhurst tweeted as well about the reaction on the women's football show and it all being about as we often see with men's football as well it was all about oh, Manchester City losing the game and Gareth Taylor their manager being under pressure rather than heaping praise on West Ham that was what I saw you on the BBC talking about the other day the pressure on Gareth Taylor as opposed to any of the praise on West Ham is that sort of criticism 
fair do you think and the West Ham probably deserve a bit more credit or is it just Man City in complete turmoil at the moment? It's difficult because I don't think you can look past um, the difficulties that Manchester City have. But at the same time, that's not the whole reason why West Ham won. You know, they went there with a game plan and they executed it perfectly. So they deserve a huge lot of credit for that. And I can understand West Ham, um, West Ham's players' frustration that a lot of it is focused on kind of the problems that Man City have. But unfortunately, with them being obviously one of the bigger clubs and, you know, a team that we're used to seeing competing for titles having lost three games in a row is something that they've never done before. So I can understand why a lot of the, mm. the talk has been kind of focused on that. But yeah, West Ham deserve a huge amount of credit. I think they're up to fifth now. They're up to fourth before Manchester United beat Birmingham. And, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see how how long they can kind of keep this run going for and if they can can build on it. Catherine, do you think that Oli Harder's um, aims for this season... Um, may have changed a little bit over the next over the last few weeks. See, they've won the last two. Um, they've already well, they've one win away from matching the amount of wins from all of last season. It was only three out of the twenty two games last season, and winning winning at Man City is a massive win, regardless of City's problems. Do you think that perhaps with such a, a promising start to the season, there might be a, a slight switch in ambition in terms of what? the team can achieve this year because it's clear that they've they're much improved compared to the West Ham that we saw last season. Yeah, I mean, definitely the aim should be kind of not just oh, avoid relegation. It, it should definitely be finish as high as we can and finish at the top of that middle pile. Um, it's probably getting ahead of ourselves a little bit to kind of say, you know, push for top four um, type talk. But I would kind of compare them to Everton a couple of years ago when when Willie Kirk was in his first full season with the club. And I think they the season before they'd only won three games in the whole campaign. And then I think after about maybe six games, they'd already won three in the next season and then they finished fifth. Um, so there's no reason why West Ham can't be looking to kind of emulate that. Um, and then obviously build, you know, build kind of how Everton have done, who are now kind of hoping to maybe break into the top four, top three. It's very difficult to to break that top section, but um, definitely after, you know, after a big win against Manchester City, then um, topping that middle middle bracket should be should be the aim and hopefully progressing in the cup competitions as well. Catherine, what will that mean for Oli Harder? Um, I've mentioned it a few times. On the podcast this year, I was lucky enough to speak to him one on one over the the summer. He's a really intense guy and really sure of of his approach. It was one of those where it almost seemed like a little bit too idealistic at the time, perhaps, especially given uh, you know the struggles of of the the, the first season that we took over mid season, of course, from Matt Beard narrowly escaped um, relegation, but did enough to turn the results around. That was obviously the short-term goal. Uh, but they, it seems to, his approach to some big turnaround of players in the summer, which I think was needed as well. Um, his approach, it seems to be working now and it seems to start, you know, to be picking up pace, which just from a, um, you know, the, the point of view of this podcast and person is brilliant. And I'm glad to see it is working out. I was a little bit concerned um, but it really seems to be to be to be pulling off. He's a pretty sort of straight down the line guy, not too emotive. Seems to stay quite level headed. What do you think this sort of means to him personally and for sort of the ways perhaps perceived uh, in the the women's game? 
Well, he came to England with a pretty good reputation. You know, he'd done, he'd done good jobs abroad. And as, as I kind of said last time I was on here, um, there was clearly a style of play that he wanted to implement uh, when he first came in. But he had the, the issue of having to avoid relegation, needing to get points on the board. So I think he almost tried that at the start and then kind of thought, I'm just going to have to, you know, yeah. do anything to get get points to, to stay up. And now he's had, you know, a whole summer to work on it with his players, bring, you know, the players that he wants in as well, really work on the style of football that, that he wants his team to produce. And, um, and yeah, as you're saying, it's it's working well for him and, and clearly the players are on board and he comes across as a guy that, you know, would, would have his, you know, team together and, you know, could get people on board with his ideas. And, um, you know, obviously want to see the team play an exciting brand of football which perhaps was was lacking under um the previous regime go on james sorry mate i was was reading uh the the post-match um post-match report on west ham's official site um and some quotes from um jilly flatty about um i'm not going to try and pronounce pronounce her name basically they've been called her dags for short which is easier to pronounce actually um, but she's saying that, you know, she admitted that they've been giving her a little bit of stick for not scoring. She's got her first goal now. Um, and it, it seems like um, there's a, there's they're not just buying into Oli Harder's plans um, and, and ideas. Seems to be a, a real sort of team spirit within this West Ham squad now, which perhaps didn't look like was the case last season. Do you think that, you know, probably that was the biggest hurdle that, Oli Harder's had to overcome since he arrived at the club because last year he didn't look too great at times. Yeah, de- definitely before it, it kind of felt like there was fractions within the team and obviously a few players perhaps that weren't kind of on board or were kind of struggling, um, obviously probably left the club. And it's a fre- you know, it's a fresh start under under Oli and um yeah, I think watching the documentary as well, um, the, the two seasons of that, you could kind of tell that there's sometimes were maybe um, conflicts within the dressing room and differences of opinions, which uh, is never helpful on the pitch either. But it, it seems like everything's everything's fine now. There's a great team spirit, and obviously Julie Flatty is a great leader and very very experienced, and um, is hugely committed, which is something obviously that came across in the in the program as well. Just how much you know she cares about the club and and wants them to do well. So her and, and Ollie Harder together, I think, is a great combination. Catherine, Birmingham at home this weekend, 10th of October. Uh, Birmingham without a win so far, four games played, four defeats, one goal scored, 11 goals conceded. Absolute heartbreak against them at the end of last season with the last minute equaliser they got against West Ham. I don't want to say it, but surely three points guaranteed in the bag, isn't it? You would you would you would definitely back West Ham to get to get a result this weekend. I mean, Birmingham have really struggled under Scott Booth, who came in in the summer. A, a big turnover there as well. Losing Carla Ward, who was you know a great manager for them and and really kind of worked wonders to keep them up last season, is a huge loss. And obviously Scott coming in from Scotland um, has struggled to kind of you know obviously get results on the board and um, it's a great opportunity for West Ham to continue their their run and make it three wins from three. Birmingham, you'd feel, would be underconfident, um, well beaten by Man United, should really have been more than 2-0 than and uh, obviously West Ham hugely confident after, after beating Man City at the weekend so anything less than three points would probably be a disappointment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, I mean, what a result that was. Two wins from two for the girls. Catherine's absolutely brilliant having you on again. I look forward to getting your name right for the next 12 months. I cannot believe that you didn't um, tell me that. But to be fair, I can't believe I didn't ask you. So uh, blame squarely on my shoulders for that one. But we're glad that you've continued to come on despite me uh, insulting you by continuing to get your name wrong. Uh, week in or month in, month out. But it's brilliant uh, having you back again. A great win for the girls. And it made the uh, yeah the Sunday night put a smile on um, lots of West Ham fans' faces after the men's team's uh, killer result away at Brentford. But Catherine, it's been brilliant having you on again. Thanks very much for joining us. We will, of course, speak to you again before the season is out. And stay with us. We've got some final thoughts from me and Jonesy before we say goodbye for another week next. Well, Jonesy, what a podcast this has been tonight. I told you it would happen, didn't I? I mean, I'm going to ask you first. Uh, At the beginning, we were both pretty downbeat and glum. Uh, I'll be honest, it didn't really feel like either of us were that up for it this evening after that disappointing win. You said you were a bit flat, a bit of an emotional hangover from the last minute winner that Brentford scored at London Stadium on Sunday. Six sections later, how are you feeling now? Top of the world, absolutely buzzing. (laughs) Can't wait to go to work in the morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, can't wait to go to West Ham again. I can't wait, yeah. No, um, I do feel a lot better. It's just, just, you've got to get it all out, you've got they need to let off some some steam and hmm. Lucy's not going to listen to me if I start having a moan at her about West Ham. She's going to go, oh, yeah, that's nice, well done. Not for two um, hours, seven minutes anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and Harrison <laughs> just looks at me blankly, asks for an apple or something. It's just like, I don't work. <laughs> so um, I just have to wait for, wait for a Tuesday night just to have a moan with you, mate. And it's worked. It's basically, it's basically mutual therapy, this, isn't it? We yeah, just happen yeah. to let other people listen in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe maybe that's it. Which the advice is, if you ever want to have a proper moan about football, start a podcast. It's mm. great. Yeah, exactly, mate. Exactly. Well, look, we do appreciate the uh, thousands of you that download the podcast and listen to us um, therapizing each other uh, every week. James, one thing I do... F- yeah, it's not a word, is it? I, I'll just deliver it with confidence and carry on. Sounds really weird as well, like therapizing. Mm. Therapize. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, yeah, suggestions for alternatives, email us, wearewestlandpod at gmail.com if you want to bang therapies into the the thesaurus. Blimey, that was a lot of... (laughs) Easy for you to say, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly, right. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, look, James, I'm stumbling my way to this joke for about two minutes now, but um, one thing that you might need therapy for is fantasy football. I'm now fourth in the We Are West Ham podcast listener league with four over 430 of our listeners in the league. Uh, fourth. I mean, this, I've never seen anything like it. What do you mean you've not seen anything like it? Well, I've just not seen anything like it from me before. I've never oh, seen right. other oh, people you. be good at fantasy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, right. No, all right, let me um, rephrase it. I've never seen anything like it from anyone on this podcast. That's great. <laughs> I'm not buying. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. I'm not buying. Um, but, mate, I've just said how much of a good mood I'm in. He just tried to put me in a bad mood. I'm having dinner in a minute. Sorry, um, mate. Sorry. No, no. Like, fair play to you. Um, I did say on WhatsApp I was very proud, and I truly am very proud of your seven-week run on on fantasy. Um, I've had a I've had a a good start, but not quite as good as you. I've been quite pleased with my start, so I'm not panicking just yet. 
Um, no, but I know. No. And it, with every week that you get more points than me, I'll go, oh, here he comes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be a screenshot at yeah. any minute now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, there we go, mate. I know I'm insufferable, but uh, as uh, any of you at home, if you fancy joining the Fantasy Premier League uh, of you, me, Jonesy, and your fellow We Are West Ham podcast listeners, you can on Fantasy Premier League just join the league code. Uh, it's O R W. No, it's not. It's O R one W U C. That's the letter O R one W U C. If you fancy joining in. On that, and you can see for yourself my uh, how the mighty will fall from the heady heights of fourth. Uh, I'll no doubt finish somewhere down in the hundreds at the end of the season. Jonesy, final thoughts on that podcast. Brilliant one in the end. Uh, probably going to be just as long as last week with um, less stuff to talk about. We proper got into it, didn't we, after saying it was just going to be a quick one. Yeah, it's been a strange week, hasn't it? Um, great win in the Europa League, gutting defeat in the Premier League, but not so much that, you know, there's not a lot to be positive about. I think we can still look forward to what's to come. Some big games coming up at the end of this month as well. With Spurs at home coming up. City in a cup. So, lots to look forward to. Still really, really positive about the season so far. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Now spoken to you tonight, mate. I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, that mutual therapising session. Uh, I've got a feeling, actually. I know I've struggled the last few weeks with the name of the podcast. I think um, I think I might go with that this week, even though new listeners won't have a clue what that's likely to be about. But look, after the international break, West Ham travel to Everton on the 17th of October, host Genk in the Europa League on the 21st before welcoming Tottenham. Uh, to the London Stadium in the Premier League on the 24th. Uh, yeah, West Ham... Uh, then got Man City at home on the 27th in the League Cup before Aston Villa away wraps up October on Halloween. So uh, it's all going to be thick and fast. I think, Jonesy, we've had a brilliant podcast tonight. Um, the way I look at it, I'd have taken the win over Rapid Vienna um, and the defeat at Brentford. If that was the choice, I'd have taken it that way round. Happy with that. We're ninth in the Premier League, still in the top half, first in our Europa League group stage. And now we've got a couple of weeks or a little bit of time to uh, to recuperate, take some deep breaths, um, try and find a buyer for Thomas Suchek and get him out of the club ASAP. Uh, joking, <laughs> of course. Um, yeah, but just take a few deep breaths. It's been a great start to the season. It could have gone lots, lots worse. So I think sitting where we are at the moment, obviously a tiny bit of a sour note the way we entered this international break, but it's good stuff overall for West Ham. Congratulations again to Oli Harder and his players for getting that brilliant win at Man City and starting their WSL season in equally impressive fashion. So good to hear on all of that. But I enjoyed that tonight, mate. Um, just as always, as we wrap up, you can follow us on Twitter at we are underscore West Ham. We're on Instagram at we are West Ham pod. Uh, Facebook, you can search We Are West Ham Podcast and YouTube if you want to watch some of the clips uh, from tonight's show and all of our previous ones. Uh, just search We Are West Ham Podcast and you'll find our channel there. Do subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Uh, give us five stars if you haven't already. Uh, most of you definitely haven't done that already. So uh, if you fancy it and you enjoyed this week's one, just take a couple of minutes now. If you wouldn't mind, write a little review, some nice friendly words if you can, or just put the hammer sign in and hit the five stars button. That counts as well as a positive one to do that. Uh, but most importantly, just tell your mates about us. Uh, pass, the, pass the word of the podcast if you like what you listen to week in, week out. 
hectic stuff for West Ham United at the beginning of this season. But we've got a team we can be proud of, a manager we can be proud of, certainly all the players. Uh, it's, it's good stuff at the moment for West Ham overall. Last minute defeat to Brentford, annoying, sure, but we've done the same thing to Leeds a couple of weeks before. We're smashing European football and who knows in a mere few months time we could be talking about a game against Barcelona or the like once they drop out of the Champions League. No reasons to be miserable really whatsoever. Thanks very much to all of you for listening as ever. We do really appreciate it. West Ham United are still massive. Up the hammers and we'll see you next week. This week's episode was sponsored by footballprizes.co.uk where you can win some priceless pieces of signed football memorabilia each and every week. In this week's draw, you can win a signed and custom-framed Declan Rice shirt. Tickets are just £5.95 each and just 99 will be sold, which gives you a fantastic chance of winning. Entries close at 7.30pm on Friday and the winner is drawn an hour later live on the Football Prizes Facebook page. There's been some fantastic signed pieces from Paolo Di Canio, Saeed Ben Rama, Jared Bowen and Vladimir Sufau up for grabs since their launch. So head on over to footballprizes.co.uk to check them out. Hi, this is Tony Cotty and you're listening to the We Are West End podcast. Podcast Network.